Hey boomers, welcome to another episode of Sonic the Comic the Podcast, your fortnightly guide to the good old world of the 1990s and what it was like to be a kid back then through the prism of the UK's official Sega comic, Sonic the Comic. We, as always, are the humans who think we're in charge. My name is Chris McFeeling. My name is Dave Bulmer and we're here with issue number 90. 90. 90. Episode 90 of a podcast. That's rare. Yeah. You know, I feel like we've said that with a quickening as we've gone on you know i know i know uh, it, we say yes. it more and more often now yeah. as the number gets higher and higher you know why this is kind of the middle of this podcast's life isn't it we're getting close to it yeah we're not quite there yet but very much so yeah we're hitting the midlife crisis of stctp where time is starting to feel like it speeds up <laughs> <laughs> there's a quickening but this is a good and full issue with a new sonic's world story yep shorty joins the big wigs that was last issue, mate. That's what I thought. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Um, yeah. Another new story, Decap Attack, meet Boris. Turns out we knew him already. We just didn't know we did. Wait, did we? Has he, has he actually been in it before and I've just forgotten? I guess so. We'll get to it when we get to it. Yeah, thank you. You can, <laughs> you can fill me in. There's also a Knights pin-up. They're big and excited about that. Plus Sonic 3, Q-Zone tips, Road Rash review, and Knuckles. You just stick them in the end. There's just some Knuckles as well. Yeah, in there, yeah. Knuckles. I feel like he probably rates a higher slot than the Knights pin-up, but what are you going to do, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, they thought Knights was going to be the new big thing, in it? New Sonic team game. The cover itself, we skipped a past. It's to do with the shorty joining the big wigs thing for it is yes. a Carl Flint cover pink clouds pink sunsetty sort of sky there Sonic zooming towards the audience leaping through the clouds and short fuse rising up in the background in a big superhero pose yeah both of them just a torso and head each because they're so fast that they're just zoosh apart from that their legs are just oh no there's a knee like there's Sonic's got a little knee poking oh, yes. there Sonic's left leg is there his right leg has yes. disappeared into his speed contrail <laughs> but yes Shorty joined the Freedom Fighters last issue yes, in Sonic's that's... world so yes. mm. I mean th- didn't that happen on the next issue page because th- it felt like the next issue page descriptions of Sonic's world were like one story out didn't they because they said it was going to be yeah. Final Future Shock in the issue when it was Shorty. And yeah. They said, Shorty joins the team. And it was like, no, it just happened, mate. If this is what I've been wondering about. Is it still one ahead? This issue cover dated November 12th, but released on October 30th. So still before Halloween, even though last issue was technically the Halloween mm, issue. Yeah. But because it'll only be on Shout. The thing about Halloween, right, it's, it's yeah. different to other holidays. And this is the thing you always knew about Halloween is like... You can't have Halloween specials after Halloween. You can still have Christmas stuff on television. Yeah. After Christmas, because you got that week of void in between Christmas and New Year where it's still Christmas. Yeah. It's Christmas all the way up until it's New Year's, you know. Mm. Um, but but Halloween. Halloween is a thing where once it's done, that's it. Everything stopped. No, done. Yeah. No more of that. No. You can have you can have a build up to Halloween, but after Halloween happens, boom, the gate slams down. Not even on November first, mate. No. <laughs> well, that's because we've got another holiday so soon afterwards, isn't it? You do. We don't. Oh, do you not? Oh, yeah, we've been. Through well, this. yeah, no. The Irish actually weren't big into the failure of blowing up British <laughs> Parliament, you know. So we don't tend to get on board with celebrating that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you should have the same holiday, but yours should be about blowing up Parliament. You know what I mean? Yeah, but but the holiday commemorates the failure of it, you know, so... I know, but <laughs> the two aspects of Bonfire Night are putting a guy on a bonfire, right? Because he'd failed to blow up Parliament, so we execute him. And then doing loads of blow-ups, loads of explosions. I think you guys could We have... do the loads of blow-ups on Halloween. 
we have fireworks on Halloween. That makes sense. Yeah, we talked about this in the past, but we didn't yeah. talk about the fact that the Irish don't. I feel like in the three to four <laughs> years we've been doing this, and every time Bonfire Night has come up, I have failed to stress the reason mm. Ireland doesn't do Bonfire Night. <laughs> And it's kind of important, you know, historically speaking. I suppose, yeah, I suppose it is, really. Not that this is a bonfire night issue. They've made a bigger deal of bonfire night in the past. They're going to say not that this is a political podcast. <laughs> oh, well, you know, we've never shied away from that. Uh, yeah, so yes, cover dated November 12th, but out on October 30th. So even though it's before Halloween, it's still, it's not a bonfire night issue. Because there's nothing except... A little bit in the control zone. And it's only just now as I open this that, of course, I realise that's why Megadroid's like, oh, stand well back. STC's oh. smoking with first rate oh, action. He's doing a fireworks thing. It is. I didn't get it. Yeah. I mean, no. that's what I'm going to charitably assume he's doing. It must be, because look at what we've got coming you, up. You got it. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's getting harder and harder to tell if Megadroid is doing anything on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> There's two new stories, he says. We've already covered those. Decap Attack and Sonic's World. Short Fuse bursts in on the Sonic's World story, Secret Weapon. Nah, he bursted in the last issue, mate. Yeah. Is that a fireworks thing? They burst. Burst, the I guess, sky? yeah. And a, a Decap Attack displays more crackpot capers, like, like crackling, like a, no. <laughs> like a sparkler crackles. No, I don't no. think so, no. <laughs> No, I think that's I think it's drifted off now. There's a whole lot of shrinking going on with Sonic and Knack in the final part of the tomb. Bad news for Knuckles fans. He temporarily rides off into the STC oh, sunset after Knuckles this issue. <laughs> but good news oh, for Captain Plunder followers yes! as he's floating in an STC 91. Oh, yes. That's going to be a kitching heavy issue next time isn't it oh yeah it was a kitching heavy issue this issue isn't it? it's like three yeah. kitchings even in this issue do you think he'll be drawing plunder and decap i don't okay i don't know why i don't i just don't how long i suppose has captain plunder only had one story no he actually has hasn't he it's the story where he gets arrested and meets simpson i think he's had two because what about the one there was a nigel dobbin one where simpson that's that's that a knuckle story painting oh okay okay so, yeah. God, there's only actually been one captain plunder strip this is the second Captain Pl- Even though it feels like there's never been any shortage of us going... There's never been any shortage of that music being in our voice. But, there you go. The second Captain Plunder strip coming up in issue number 91. But watch this space as everyone's favourite echidna will return. Yeah. Finally, back in the firing line, the review zone spotlights Road Rash. There's a Clarice, 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 Knight's pinup, plus the Sonic 3 hints and tips continue in the Q zone. Have a safe bonfire night, boomers. That's right. This is the page that acknowledges bonfire night. There's no further content. Mm -hmm. That's it. But we do have a sort of obligatory be safe kids message here. I don't know. This comic is not affiliated with bonfire night. They've definitely published like... The fireworks code. Is it what do they call it? Do they call it the fireworks code or the fireworks they've got a name for it, don't they? I think it's the fireworks code. So it feels like they've had some space to fill and why not fill it with some safety tips and an unnecessary recap of what Bonfire Night is. Because it says at the top, on November the fifth, fireworks will be lighting up the sky in memory of Guy Fawkes. I don't know if that's really accurate. And the gunpowder plot to blow up Parliament back in sixteen oh five. To ensure total coolness and maximum enjoyment, SSC offers the following tips. I just think that's too much explaining of what Bonfire Night is. 
for this. Yeah, I think they just had an extra centimeter or two on the page that needed filling out. I, I, frankly, I think they had a whole half page that needed filling out. And <laughs> well, no maybe, need but, to mention but, any of this. <laughs> they've def- as I say, they've definitely done the fireworks code before. They have, yeah, but they don't. Like, if there was a free fireworks strapped to the cover, fine. Oh, yeah, they do call it the fireworks code because it says it oh. right there. Right there at the top of the follow thing. The fu- follow the fireworks, follow the fireworks code. code. Oh, we are Oi. really paying attention to this rot, aren't we? <laughs> Be a cool quotes guy. Uh, yeah, that's the title of this. A guy like a guy, guy like a guy, folks. Like a guy you burn in effigy every November 5th. Be cool. A cool guy like a bird's guy. <laughs> but mind you. There's a weird note here where ensure that an adult hume asterisk supervises blah 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 fireworks and explosives follow the instructions on each firework carefully asterisk yeah like the tip of the firework fuse at arm's length asterisk <laughs> and uh, then the rest of the notes stand well back never return never throw never blah, 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 blah. but there's nothing that the asterisk leads to no. STC loving asterisks so much that they just had a few spare ones scattering about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they forgot. I mean, I, unless it's supposed to be like that, you know, ensure that an adult Hume asterisk, and then the idea is supposed to be that it should be the adult Hume who is the one who follows the instructions and lights oh, the Oh, I fuse. suppose. But, but, that but that's not how asterisks, asterisks work. work. That's not it, you know? Answer me this. Mm. Why have I written down that Michael Blades is a cool name? Well, it is a cool name, first, it's a really first cool and name. foremost. you imagine a dude named Michael Blades? <laughs> I don't need to imagine it. He's in this issue somewhere. He and is. My notes. Do you not have the issue open in front of you? Yes, where is Why it? Why can you not see that Michael Blades is the child who has drawn the illustration of the <laughs> firework yes. Sonic that they have yes. chosen to, uh, to decorate this section with? <laughs> That's right, yeah. Michael Blades from Burnley in Lancashire, who has, yeah. for his efforts, won a Sonic and Knuckles hog tag. Uh, as opposed to a set of uh, markers, which you'd think you'd get oh. for a drawing. But I suppose they give you hog tags if you get pictures printed in speed lines too, don't they? Yeah. They do actually delineate the prizes out like that. But yes, he's drawn a little little piece of art of what if Sonic was a firework. And that's what you need to do. If you want a hog tag and you want to draw a picture, you have to figure out the alchemy of making one that isn't suitable for a graphic zone, <laughs> but is suitable for publication. So it has to be it has to be not on a topic. And Blades was lucky in, in two ways that Blades, are visible. Like it was his first name. <laughs> <laughs> He's lucky in two ways. One, his name is Michael Blades, and two, <laughs> yeah. they didn't put together a fireworks night graphic zone, which is itself unusual. Um, well not why I mean, didn't it's they not do that? Massively unusual. Maybe they didn't have enough firework themed pictures. I'm Maybe sorry they Blades. It sounds like a sonic <laughs> character's name. Yeah. I think it is one, isn't what, it? What, isn't there what a... kind of animal would that be? Blades the Well, isn't it one? Isn't it one of the There must be a character called Blades I think you're by now. Of Blaze. I could yes, I could be. Yeah. Blades the uh something with with blades or or swords or Yeah, but you'd want it to be something a mantis or something. Something that can Ooh, have that's not blades. Bad. Blades as part the of mantis. Them. Yeah. yeah, that's not yeah. bad. But it, it, that's a little too on the nose for a lot of Sonic characters. You know, he's not called Spikes the Hedgehog, is he? Uh, 
Tails the fox. He'd probably be like Blades the Peregrine Falcon or something, you know. Well, that, yeah, because I think of him as one of those skateboarding birds that I don't know who are. (laughs) Well, there's Jet the Hawk. Yeah. And then after that, I'm afraid I'm coming up empty on what exactly the names of the Babylon Rogues is. Yeah, I I wouldn't rule out the possibility one of the two of them is named Blade. But. Or Blades. No, because Blades wouldn't be a skateboarder would he be a rollerblader wouldn't he oh that's yeah but they are birds and you know you got wings yeah. you could see you could definitely see him being yes. called blades at the same time yeah. but Bla- yeah like blades the i don't know what i am going with a bird on this one uh-huh. <laughs> i don't know why storm the albatross that's one of them <laughs> Is it? Just remember that. I thought you, I thought you were instructing me to get out my siege weapons <laughs> yeah. and attack the albatross. The albatross. <laughs> Look at all these new entries for the Saturn. They're, they're swarming in. It's all about the Saturn now, isn't it? Oh, that's the only thing with any new games now, of course. Basically, at this point, you just cast your eye over the charts and you look for the blue new because you yep. know there's not going to be anything else in the in any of the other charts. Destruction Derby, don't care. That's obviously about Drivey. big vehicles banging things. Buster Move 2, That's I've only played one Buster Move. It's Buster Move 4 on the Dreamcast and it was an all-timer puzzle game. A great game. Yeah, pu- that's Puzzle Bobble, right? Puzzle that's, Bobble. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the one, listeners, that's the one where you've got a little arrow and you're shooting coloured balls to pop other coloured bubbles, I suppose I should have said, up at the top. Discworld! The Discworld game! Much belated, as I recall. Advertised or promoted for earlier systems, if I'm remembering right. Mm. Remember there was some chat about it in a news zone a long time ago. Yes, you're right there. But it's taken until now to actually hit a Sega system. Yes, I certainly didn't get that one until PC. It wasn't out on Amiga or anything. Because it's a point-and-clicker, right? It's a point-and-clicker, yep. What do you want to be doing on a console? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) quite oh i know wait a minute wait a minute i thought what we found out was that it never came out on the saturn after all uh no i think it was because it was so long ago that it was advertised for a system maybe the mega drive in before then yeah there's definitely something that we found it didn't come out on yeah must have been the mega drive then it was well it was the mega cd we thought it was going to come out for and it didn't Story of Thor 2 in at number 9. Uh, so I, I gather it's actually a prequel rather than a sequel to the earlier yeah. Story of Thor. Right. Eh? Originally planned for the 32X, but... It never happened. And instead came out on the Saturn. And then nothing else. Nothing, even a little bit. Olympic soccer, Atlanta 1996. Not real, is it? You can't prove it. The difference two letters would make. Imagine if it was Olympic soccer Atlantis 1996. <laughs> Suddenly I'd be interested. That's just polo, though, isn't it? That's just water polo. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> uh... The Tomb, Part 2. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, colours by Steve White, letters by Tom Frey. Even shrunken to the size of a mouse, Sonic's still tough enough to stand up to Knack, putting all his strength into spin attacks that send the weasel reeling. In the process, Knack's hat is knocked off, and from its hat band, Sonic grabs the weasel's shrinking ray and turns it on Knack himself. But he exposes him to the ray for too long, and Knack shrinks away to microscopic nothingness. The threat dealt with, Sonic and the Chaotix return themselves to normal size and complete their mission to imprison the frozen Omniviewer and Supersonic inside the Black Asteroid. So, this does not quite, as we uh, believed it mm-hmm. might at the end of last issue, doesn't quite descend into the 
shrinking episode no. antics that we thought it might. And it occurs to me, we didn't even mention it last issue, that that would be doubly worse, because we'd already forgotten it had happened, that Teals just did a shrinking antic mm. story like two issues ago, and we'd already forgotten it. <laughs> but the reason I remember yeah. it had happened is because it had exactly the same resolution as this story, where Slimy, Grimer's brother, yeah. who was the villain in that story, and Knack are both shrunken away to subatomic oblivion. Do you wonder if... Nigel was a bit annoyed. I would say that, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about shrinking away is exactly the same. So what I'm wanting, and it ain't going to happen because this is just coincidence, but I'm wanting them to meet up and <laughs> and Slimy to have invented something and they team up and they're a little duo. Some sort of uh, rebigulating. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that could have been quite a satisfying return for both characters, really. And then, and then yeah. Slimy has done something that he gets to go back to Robotnik and say he's good about or whatever. I don't know. I, I, I'm not sad we're not going to get any more Slimy, but you know what I mean? Well, that's the thing, because that was what really worked about the end of that tale story. So what I'm saying is here, I think it was much more impactful when it happened in the Tales story, not just because the Tales story was first, but because you know Slimy's not coming back. <laughs> it's a horrible, miserable, subatomic doom for Slimy, and that's it. Whereas you read this, and it's like, well, I wonder how he's going to get out of that, is what you think. Because obviously, Knack's going to come back. Yeah, It's yeah. less horrific, because he'll be fine somehow. Don't know how, don't know when, but it'll happen. Yes, yeah. For a moment there, as I watched Sonic watch him shrink away to nothing, I thought... Wow, imagine if this is the end for Knack. So I looked it up and it isn't. So yes, it's fine. I didn't even have to look it up. I was just so 100% sure that he would obviously be back. I do like... <laughs> the caption made me laugh on page one. With the aid of a shrinking device, he has reduced his enemies to mice size. <laughs> it's just a on funny a, way of putting that, isn't it? Mice size. On a planet of talking animals, it is a strange thing to compare, yeah. yes. <laughs> Mouse size is probably about, you know, chest height. <laughs> yeah. But the shrinky-dink aspect of this is, is really only about three or four pages, and it's yeah. not the stock shrinky concepts. Uh, this is more like an Ant-Man story. You know, this is not about, you know, getting washed down the plug hole or meeting an ant like Tails did. This is, Sonic is small now, and he, he ant-mans him. Like, it's like even small, yeah. doing a spin attack is like throwing a small but very powerful rock yes. directly at Nack's face. And it's just as painful. Yes, and what I didn't realise until we started recording this a minute ago is that, like, Sonic would under no other circumstances spin attack a bloke. Yeah, I don't think... I'm trying to think, though, and it's like, mm. he often see him flying around the battlefield, like, for instance, yeah. uh, say the... Well, he did spin attack Supersonic to push him into the Omniviewer. Well, that's different. But uh, Supersonic's not a bloke, is he? No, that's not a bloke. He's barely a bloke. <laughs> he normally just whomps robots, doesn't he? And other yeah. creatures. But he just, yeah. just full-on welts knack in the face. <laughs> And it's real funny when he does. Yeah. Lots of big panels on this page. I guess it's because... Yeah. Look, I'm not, I'm not saying this is a slight story in any way, but, like, the feel of the 14-page story spread across two parts is that this is actually very much a story about mm -hmm. taking and imprisoning Supersonic in the Omniviewer in the heart of an asteroid yeah. in which some shrinking sh happens for four pages in the middle of it all yeah the shrinking is kind of like a weird interruption to everything else that's going on in the story yeah it's just yeah this knack shows up to complicate things 
And he does, and then they sort it out. And I must admit, like, because of the usual pace of these stories, I was a bit surprised when they sorted all of that out, and then they blasted off. And then there was two more pages. Mm. I know that we well established what they are going to do is put Supersonic in this asteroid, but it just came as a pleasant surprise. They do kind of walk through it point by point, mm. restating everything that was already stated in the first part. You know, if part one was like, we're going to do this, this, and this. And then the last two pages of this one are like, now we will do and have done this. Mm. Now please do this and then do that. It's a bit checklisty, I guess. But that didn't bother me because, again, it's just this thing of supersonic. It's important to get this right. And what they're doing doesn't... It doesn't strike me and it doesn't seem to strike them as particularly good of a way of ensuring that he doesn't cause any more harm. But it's the best they've got. Well, no, because we kind of got ahead of the strip last issue is the thing. Oh. Because you remember we were talking last issue about... The, they just said last issue they were going to take Omni and Supersonic and put him in yep. the Black Asteroid. And we got a little ahead of it by talking about how, well, that does mean they are trapping the Omniviewer in there. As oh, well, yeah. I guess Omniviewer can teleport yeah. out of it. And then we have the, 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 the team have a conversation about it. Mighty's the one who says, let's remember, we're not only trapping Supersonic here, but we're doing the same to the Omniviewer. SBO says, Omni thought he'd frozen Supersonic in time, but he only succeeded in slowing him down. It could take years for Supersonic to get out. And maybe the Omniviewer knows what's going on, so when Supersonic escapes, he'll be able to teleport himself to safety. And then... The only speech bubble on the page that doesn't end in an exclamation mark, mm -hmm. Vector very solemnly notes, at supposing Supersonic gives him the chance. Yeah. And that's a real, like, a real downbeat, like, yeah. fatalistic little note to stick on the end of the scene that really gives it a little extra gravitas. Wouldn't it be amazing, right, if they, they left a little observational camera in there or something, and then one day they switch it on, and the Omniviewer's screen is smashed. Ooh. And it's just shattered. What a cool visual he doesn't have a screen, does yeah, he? I know, you know, it's but... just an empty... He's not... He's not. The Omniviewer is weird. It doesn't bear thinking too much about he's physically made up. I think of it as a kind of film. You know, like some sort of a plasmic film of some description. But yeah, but imagine though, if shattered glass was what they I found. Feel, I feel like Omniviewer is... Imagine a fish tank. Yeah. Imagine looking down on the top of an open fish tank. <laughs> and the Omniviewer is the rim of the fish tank. You know, so that it's not that there is a surface or a screen. It's just that whatever is up at the front of the Omniviewer is the surface yeah. of whatever is beyond, is the void. Yes. <laughs> His workspace. Mm -hmm, yeah. As he called it in the previous issue. And then, yeah, it, it, they detonate the graviton bomb that uh, collapses the entryway. Thousands of tons of rubble. And then they're like... Yeah, but what if he did escape, though? Mm. <laughs> I'm like, cool. this is... I can, and now I'm starting to see why little Dave thought yeah. of this part of the comic as being so much about yeah, and Supersonic, I'm... even though that's it now until the finale. I'm struggling to see why you thought it wasn't. This is the creeping threat of Supersonic. I remember dominating this section of the, the comic. The superhero stuff hasn't kicked in yet. That's it, you know. No, they have now drawn a line under the Supersonic stuff. They've gone and imprisoned right. him. So now the whole ten issues, like that's still another five months. Wow, is is uh, so? I guess this is the section now. This bit coming up now. Yeah. Yes, like yeah. I really haven't had a problem with with the stuff that followed heroes and villains. Yeah, uh, it's it's the stuff that comes after this. Like next issue, the hive. So I don't think I'll have probably too much of a problem mm. with that either, to be honest, because that is the hive, obviously picking up a thread that was planted in the chaotics two part strip. Yeah. 
Ooh, that was a good while back, yeah. wasn't it? Was it? It's got to be another ten issues or so back. It was a bit ago, yeah. Well, about Charmy coming from a hive of bees. He mm-hmm. hadn't checked in with them in a while, so there was yeah, there's something going on there. That's a we're going to check back in with that uh, plot. So yeah, let's we'll see how that one pays off. But I think something about the ending to this, it felt so deliberately temporary. Here was he's in Supersonic's in there. The thing about trapping him behind a bit of rubble is clearly inadequate. That guy is coming to get everyone. Yeah, that's it. I'm not in any way convinced that that is enough to hold Supersonic in. Exactly, exactly. So Supersonic is coming. Thousands of tons. They they go out of their way to put like a number on it like that. Of rubble, though. In Running Wild, a mountain collapsed on him and he punched his way out of it. Not bothered at all. Yeah, exactly. Supersonic is coming to get everyone. And I think I just had that hanging over me the whole time that mm. when he whenever he did and i don't re- this is the thing right i remember him in the screen with his fingers pointing yeah, out with the fingers. i remember that that epicness i don't remember him actually getting out i don't know what happens that's the i think it happens off panel we already talked about the slight weirdness of the fact that it means like his fingers are going to be like much older than the rest of him when he gets out so it's like at what point is enough of him out yes that yeah. it, like what what happened? Like he's down to his waist, yeah, and his legs are in there. Is he just raging and flailing, stuck halfway in the omnivore, but he can't pull his legs the rest of the way out? Like what? How so- about this? What about when he's got the top of his head out? Yeah. So his brain's out. Ooh. But the heart that's supplying it with blood. <laughs> Ooh, ooh, that's really good. What even is that? That's, I mean, it's really good. It's really, I mean, don't think about it. He would die. But, but yeah, like at what yeah. point does it stop making sense? You know, I mean, it's, it's as much as true about the tips of his fingers, isn't it? The heart's well, not yeah. pumping blood. Exactly. To them so his, so his fingers will die. Fall yeah. Off or something? yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's a <laughs> comic for children. But I think that's maybe why they kept the escape off panel. <laughs> I guess the answer is Supersonic is not made of normal people stuff. He's fine. That's true. He's made of chaos energy, really, isn't yeah. he? If you think of it like that. You know, they, they they funneled the chaos. He probably doesn't even have a heart in there. Yeah. Who knows what he's made of. They literally He came into being because they funneled emerald energy out of Sonic's body. And it coalesced mm. into Supersonic in the uh, special zone. So he's not... He's made of magic. He's made of bad magic. Like, he's not a real, like, true biological being. So, yeah. But we're straying dangerously close to overthinking this comic <laughs> for children. And with, rather than critiquing the art and, and story. Knack does note that it's the green capsule that you need to grow. Red to shrink and green to grow, I guess. But uh, there are no green capsules in evidence on his hat band, so... Mm. <laughs> White has coloured them all red. Still doing that uh, overly shiny thing that he was doing last issue, White's colouring. Especially the last panel. Look at it. Very much so, yeah. So many points of shine all over Sonic. But... It's done well. He's good at it. It's just weird that he's doing it. <laughs> it's coming off a little better, this issue, I thought. Less of the old bloodshot eyes on Knack. Colours don't look quite as pastely and washed out as they did last issue. Yes. But, you know, it's still no Richard Elson colour in his own work. No, it, it's fine. It's, just, it, it's, it's over-rendered, mm-hmm. just, you know? Like, what's going on with that triangle of shadow underneath the eye? Oh, yeah. oh yes. What's that trying to say about the shape of Sonic's face? He's trying to super define the nose bit of Sonic. Sonic doesn't have a big sticky out nose. He just has that yeah. face mask of muzzle. It doesn't protrude from his face like a snout. A little. It's mostly the nose that does the protruding. Nose. <laughs> 
I like when Nack uh, actually starts to shrink and Sonic's really gearing up to belt him. You know, and he's like, <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't. I wasn't really going to hit you, honest. And I'm like, oh, you. And then I, I caught myself because I realized what I was going to say was, ah, you weasel. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's what he is. Obviously, obviously, that's how he acts. He's a big weasel, isn't he? <laughs> Or, well, I don't know. He's a wolf-gerboa hybrid, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Get bent. I wish they'd... I must say, I like the idea that he's a jerboa, and I wish they'd just said that originally, and he was Knack the Jerboa. That would have been cool. Fang know, the Jerboa. Because then we'd know what a jerboa was much earlier than we did. Yeah, and the same... Yeah, that's like... I, I, I scoff at the hybrid thing more than anything else, because <laughs> it's, it's a wolf-gerboa hybrid. You know, in the same way that Sally Acorn is a, a squirrel-chipmunk hybrid, <laughs> because they forgot to draw the T on the character model and <laughs> to justify it like because what a jerboa i don't know what a jerboa is now but it's no more esoteric or unusual than knuckles being an echidna jerboas are brilliant they're like a little tiny mouse imagine imagine if you saw a mouse on stilts that's what a jerboa is but not four stilts just two at the back and it boings oh okay and it's got great because they're brilliant jerboa they are brilliant yeah, and they've got yeah. the the zigzag tail it would have been great if he was a jerboa i love jerboas and i and like echidnas i might have known about them sooner yeah <laughs> next issue the hive Refuso. Refuso. it's road rash for the saturn that's right it's all about the saturn now. yeah Go in full throttle and at breakneck speed, aren't those the same thing? <laughs> On the Saturn is Road Rash, EA's classic motorcycle game. Despite the Mega Drive version having bland backgrounds and rather naff movement, I found that a rather aggressively yeah, negative like, stance so to be taken on a Mega Drive classic like Road Rash. Very Rage, popular game. I didn't really care much for it myself. No. It made gamers very happy due to the brilliant gameplay. Oh, there we are, okay. This is Dave Gibbon, so mm -hmm. obviously it then leads into listing numbers of things. <laughs> 32 bits, 25 stages, 5 levels, 14 bikers. I suppose that's what happens when you're handed a list of statistics about why the game is good from the PR people, and you that's all the information you've got, so you have to include it all. You build a paragraph around those statistics, I suppose. Um, he also says... Um, Graphically, the game can't really be faulted. The motorbike riders are digitised from actual people, and the backgrounds look as realistic as in a photograph. So naturally... Mm, do they know? I was intrigued by that, so I looked it up. No, it looks as realistic as a repeat texture on flat polygons with an arm's length pop-in distance. Gas. Exactly as you would expect. Disappointing aspects about the game are the fact there's still only five different scenarios. What does that mean, scenario? Does you mean tracks? tracks. Or? It must mean tracks, mustn't it? Yeah. Yeah, although there are shortcuts which give you a change from riding the same track all the time. That's what he means. But 25 stages across five levels. Oh. What does he mean? Five what? So five scenarios, he means levels. Does he? 25 stages across five levels? What does that mean? I don't know. We're going to have to look this up. Look, some gameplay footage of Road Rush. Well, I did, but... Okay, we have to do it this time and then actually watch it. No, I did, but I can't no. tell how many No, no, I mean, watch are. it for a period of time. Full-on, long play, live stream, right now, six-hour podcast, <laughs> let's do it. Secondly, it's still only a one-player game. However, Road Rush still scores pretty high on the motivating sticks. Motivating. Accelerating. Devastating. Dominating. Imagine you're writing this review. And you know you've got to write a finishing line. So you start, however, Road Rash still scores pretty high on the... 
And then you just sort of go cross-eyed and grab words from the sky. Maybe Mr. Motivator's on the television as you're trying to write it, and you're like, oh, that'll do, yeah. The motivating stakes. With an apostrophe. Motivating, motivating. stakes. Yeah, they conserve those Gs. You know, there was a drought on. <laughs> Raves, fast, furious, and nerve-wracking. Nerve-wrecking, I've said, but nerve-wrecking. <laughs> and the graves are only five scenarios and no two-player option. How would a two-player option work? It'd have to be split-screen, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. That's still okay when it's... So. But yeah, yeah it's a, well, we were used to two-player split-screen yeah. stuff. Yeah, there's nothing unusual about it. By so either. they should have had it, really. That actually is... Actually, yeah, they really should have had that it. That is actually weird. Saturn. Mm. Yeah. I wonder why they didn't. Mm. Maybe. Well, I bet I know why they didn't. I bet because it was hanging on by the skin of its teeth to render at the speed it was in the first place. So if you have two screens... It's not going to be able to do it. Uh, can you confirm whether this was even developed for the Saturn, Dave, or if this was some kind of holdover from another... Well, there is a 3DO version. Well, we've learned that a lot of things that have been reviewed or talked about in this comic, at least, that came out on the Saturn were developed for the 3DO originally. Oh, God, you're right. This is a port of a two-year-old 3DO game that already came out on the Mega CD. There you go. It's a friggin' 3DO Mega CD game that predates... Road Rash 3 on the Mega Drive that they've ported over to the Saturn. It was subsequently ported to PlayStation, Saturn, and Windows in 1996, yeah. <laughs> Is it any wonder the Saturn sank without trace? What were they doing? Because in Japan, they put Isn't stuff- it great when we reach these thrilling <laughs> conclusions about the Saturn? We spend some time picking apart the review, and then it's like, oh no, it actually turns out it's a ported Mega CD game, mate. Uh. Oh, well, bloody well is. They probably reviewed it before as a Mega CD game, haven't they? Dig deep enough into any Saturn game and you'll find a 3DO <laughs> game or a Sega CD game held it up. It does that. make you wonder if the UK got any Saturn games other than Knights that were actually Saturn games. We'll find out as we go, I guess. I mean, there is a chart full of them here, but who knows? Just a madman! Just a Ah, joy. I mean... From November... So it's a photograph. It's a photograph of a football pitch. Yep. An empty football pitch, not a man to be seen upon it. And it says upon it in big white text, the full height of the page, from November, the Premier League will be on strike. Strike cereal, that is. Uh, Uh, Kellogg's uh, strike. The the only cereal endorsed by the Premier League. Dead serious, so I go into itchy and scratchy land. (laughs) There's a photo of the box of what it looks like. It, it's small and it's inset at the bottom. And it's, yeah, it's just a big football printed above a bowl of Cheerios. Yeah, they look like Honey Nut Loops or something. Yeah, yeah I looked this up uh, to find out. I, I googled uh, Kellogg's strike and I found out that uh, due to disagreements between the union and company concerning the terms of a new labour contract in 2021, uh, <laughs> with particular points of contention concerning the current two-tier wage system, uh... Everybody in Kellogg's went on strike. So I have not been able to find out about oh, <laughs> Kellogg's <laughs> That's what strike. came up when you typed Kellogg's strike. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wonder, what's, they just look like Honey Nut Loops. I wonder, is this before or after Honey Nut Loops? Oh. Was a thing. Remember Kellogg's Honey Nut Loops with the B? With the B, Kellogg's Honey, honey Nut Loops. Let's loop it together. Together, Kellogg's Honey Nut Loops. Let's loop. So we're nuts about them, honey. Honey Nut Loops. Uh, Wikipedia page lacks word of its inception, but uh, the name was changed hmm? to Honey Loops after nuts were dropped from the ingredients in 1998. Well, I never 
I'm and who, did you ever of notice? That. Of course you didn't. No. Since when have you paid attention to children's cereal in the last whatever? Yes, although I feel as if in 1998 I ought to have noticed. Uh, that's true, actually, yeah. Must just not have been a Honey Nut Loops fan. Oh, I enjoyed a Honey Nut Loop, but I guess not as far as 1998. It's weird that I wasn't into them because I should be. There was a B on them. Looks like they could go back to 1990. Based on what I'm seeing here. Mm. New Kellogg's Strike. An incredible match of multigrain nutrition and high fibre that's also bursting with football. <laughs> bursting with football. And that's that. More football than you can eat. Multigrain. That's it, isn't it? Was, was Honey Nut Loops multigrain? I, mu- I don't know, but probably. Uh, I don't know. So the ads tell us that, yes, that you, they had uh, tips to improve your soccer skills printed on the package. And little uh, informational fact file booklets free inside. And uh, and win prizes as well and stuff. So yeah, they, they went all in on this, I guess. Oh, if you're the sort of person who'd be interested in a little book about football facts out of a cereal box, we're not friends. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of respect it, though. Yeah. I, I question your judgment. But I respect the nature of the free gift. I like a little... I like a little fact file. You know me! I love a little fact file! Yeah. No. Goose. The Good, the Bad, and the Echidna. Part 4. Written by Nigel Kitchen. Art by Nigel Dobbin. And letters by a little fail. Knuckles and the Sheriff catch up to Boss Krauts just as he's about to make a second attempt on Rooster's life by using a vial of pheromones to drive Rooster's apteryx herd into a deadly stampede. In a standoff with Knuckles, Crouch tumbles from a rocky outcropping and the vial shatters in the fall, causing the apteryx to go wild and trample Crouch to death. (laughs) With nothing more to be done, Knuckles heads on his way, riding into the sunset on a pterodactyl given to him by a rooster. They're not mucking about in this Knuckles story, are they? They tried to hang him in one, and then the dude literally is trampled to death by a herd of stampeding animals in this one. Uh, when Abby caught me reading this issue out of the corner of her eye, she's like, is that the end of the Knuckles story? She knew exactly what happens to that guy. <laughs> I never forgot, huh? <laughs> she's kept that right in her memory. That is brutal. I love the uh, the opening caption boxes. The good rooster, the yeah. one-eyed rancher, driving his herd of apterixes to Metropolis City in hopes of making a good press the bad mayor boss crouch so i guess he's not a boss of anything he's just the mayor and boss is like his his crime name <laughs> his street name i don't think you're supposed to have a crime name if you're the mayor you wouldn't think would you know i guess it's like boss hog boss hog yeah. wasn't the boss was he? he was just he was just boss of the henchman you know that's what makes them the boss Mayor Boss Crouch, one-time sole supplier of Apteryxes to Metropolis City before Rooster came along, that is. And he aims to be the sole supplier again. The Echidna. Well, if you need to be told who the Echidna is, you're reading the wrong comic. (laughs) (laughs) There's not actually a lot that really happens in this. This this, this whole four-part story has kind of felt like a distraction Knuckles has wandered into the middle of. Yes, it really, because it's so genre, you know, more more mm. than the Wicker Man bit was, because that was one particular thing rather than a whole genre. It really feels like he's wandered into another, like a theme park. Or it's like a separate universe that he's ended up in. And like, at least with the Wicker Man, the point was that they specifically wanted him 
to mm. sacrifice. Like even mm-hmm. though he did wind up in the town, he was he was the object of their aggression. Yeah. Uh, whereas in this, he has genuinely wandered into someone else's story, and he could wander back out again, and and not mm. very much about it would change. Yeah. But he, Knuckles' role in this story is to pose as Cheeto. He puts on a sombrero with some feathers stuck to it to emulate rabbit ears and <laughs> hides in the shadows to speak to Boss Crouch and get him to confess out loud to the fact that he was the one who ordered him to try and kill Rooster by causing the Apterix herd. Back in part one, mm. you had your chance to kill Rooster, but you bungled it. You mean it was you who asked me to kill Rooster? You know it was. What are you jabbering on about? Well, that do. It sure sounded like a confession to me. And then the <laughs> sheriff and Knuckles walk out of the shadows. I hope you boys are going to come quietly. <laughs> what made me laugh about this is that the rest of the time, I don't think of Knuckles as someone who would put on a big cod Mexican accent in order to impersonate this guy, but he obviously does. <laughs> I guess he must. It must, must be a hidden talent of Knuckles's, you know. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I could imagine Knuckles being a little bit racist. <laughs> well, he's set in his ways, isn't he? He's been away from culture. <laughs> he hasn't had much exposure to other people and other races yeah. and other animals, has he, in his life, yeah. you know? But yeah, so uh, I guess we have to assume <laughs> that the first Apterbic stampede was not caused by the pheromone. Or maybe it was. I don't know. I suppose we don't have to assume that, do we? Crouch holds it up. This vial contains a chemical compound. To an Apterix, it smells of the scent of their most feared predator but it's a hundred times more potent. Come any closer and I'll throw this into the herd. I'll warn you, they'll stampede through Rooster's camp and he won't stand a chance. Then Knuckles doesn't even have to do anything. He just literally, the cliff face gives way under his feet and he, he falls. Right into the way, <laughs> right into the way of the herd and he drops the vial in the fall. Yeah. You expect him to drive the Apterixes toward Rooster from that position? Knuckles is like, because if you do, you'll be trampled along yeah. with them. And then Crouch is like, I'm just going to shoot you, mate. And, but as he raises the gun to shoot Knuckles, he looks down and sees this shattered vial. And then, yeah, there he goes, you know. This better run for it line feels slipped in in post. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yes, it is odd. Because what actually happens is he turns around and does a big scream. Does a big scream, yeah. And then the panel of his death is some thundering Apterix legs in the foreground. A big cloud of dust. His arm in shadow disappearing mm. into the dust. And a big long... Scream. And don't those Apterix legs look muscly? They're gonna Oof. get you. They've got big claws coming out of them, so one way or the other, if those go by you, that's the end of you. That's it for you. And the, the page ends on a silent panel of Knuckles. Yeah. You know, a tight, tight shot of Knuckles' face as he simply looks on in horror because God love him, what can he possibly do? Nothing. It's a brilliant shot. If if if, if I don't want to even really draw attention to it because this is a great shot. But but I know what you're going to draw attention well, to. Well, now that we're post-movie, um, he's got ever such little human teeth. Yeah, they're horrifying <laughs> if you look too close at them. That is itself a good drawing of some teeth. Mm. It's just that we now, more even than back then... Don't want to see little, good, realistic teeth in a sonic mouth, you know? Look at that. You can see the curvature of the teeth. Yes. And that would imply that his teeth stop 
Uh, it speaks to a very small interior of the mouth. A very small, circular... Yeah, that's just a tiny little mouth right in the middle. It is. Well, there's nothing to speak against that. You know, Knuckles might have a little mouth. I'll speak out against it if <laughs> no one else will. Who shall speak out against this little mouth? Who will speak out against I it will. if not us? <laughs> and then they end it in quite a flip way as Knuckles returns to Rooster and the Sheriff. And Rooster says, So Boss Crouch saved you the cost of a trap. Trial, huh? <laughs> I'm like, woof. That's, I mean, that's a pretty sort of old Western John Wayne sort of thing to say, but yeah, he didn't stand a chance. It was not a pretty sight. Yes, it makes that line makes you wonder exactly how much detail Knuckles saw, doesn't it? Yeah, Knuckles saw him pop, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he saw every bit of it. Every little squelch and splatter. Uh, because Boss Crouch was a big guy, you know? Yeah, so he didn't just get stomped into the earth, you know? He... <laughs> Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then they give Knuckles his chest back. Hooray. Yeah, remember that they left it in a hole in part one, <laughs> and Rooster's just like, "Here's your chest, Knuckles. Safe and sound." And I'm like, "Okay, fine, cool, thanks. I guess you dug it up for him." Yeah, but it doesn't matter. That's how much of a thing. Like, I think I said it back in part one. It was like, "That's the chest now out of the story, so we don't have to worry about lugging it around." Yeah, after this, you know. And it sure looks heavy. It is. And that is why they give him... At the end, Knuckles gets to ride home on a pterodactyl. That's pretty sick, dude. And it's a completely silent, huge silent, larger than half the page panel of a happy little Knuckles flying off on a pterodactyl. He's got a big smile on his face, as you would if you were flying a pterodactyl. pterodactyl? (laughs) Yeah, dude, I'd like to ride a pterodactyl. I mean, Um, now, right. No, I, do you know what? No, I wouldn't, actually. Thinking about no. it a bit more carefully, I wouldn't like to ride a pterodactyl. I've but seen Jurassic was... World. <laughs> but if I was a Knuckles, then I would. You could, well, if you fell off, you could just glide. You'd be all right. You wouldn't there you are. Exactly. You'll be fine. And also, doesn't this tie up a lovely little loose end we've wondered about, which is how's he going to get back up there to the well, floating island? Well, that's my island? question. Uh-huh. I wonder if... I... Logically, yeah. logically, one would assume he will just fly back up there on the pterodactyl. On the pterodactyl. But I wonder if he's going to. Well, we'll find out how he gets up. That's what I. I just want to know how he's going to get up How's there. He get back up there because this story was the story that established he's trying to get to Metropolis City. That's right. Yeah. Because not that it's. I think it's explicitly said it, but because we presume that mm-hmm. must be where he's able to either meet with the freedom fighters since mm-hmm. that's where they've been based for a good long time now or otherwise find transport charter a flight yeah <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't want to be telling any like uh, uh, officials about that that's the thing and he must be looking to steal something or, or buy on the black market or something he doesn't need one now he's got a pterodactyl flipping pterodactyl you blades be- the pterodactyl there we go there it is in a big pointy yes. beak with the wings that are like whoosh there it is. All right, that is your prompt for this week, fan artists, yeah. draw-alongers. Blades the pterodactyl. Blades the pterodactyl. And he's still a rollerblader, by the way. <laughs> I don't know that that's super necessary, but yeah, uh, we leave it up to you. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes together, doesn't it? It all comes together. Next issue, the return of Captain Plunder. Like space. The adventures are endless. <laughs> it's an ad for Lego System Explorer. 
Florians. Yeah. Prices range from £2 to £45. I wager this was the £45 Here's set. Mr. £45 himself shooting towards us. It's a great big white spaceship with blue windows and sticky-outy wings and bits and bobs on the top and antennas and dishes and this and that and bits and bobs and stuff. It's the largest of the Explorian sets I read. It's just the Explorian spaceship. It doesn't have a cool name or anything. It's just like the Explorian spaceship or something. Yeah. It's got all the bits you remember from space sets in the 1990s, like those translucent green antennas and the little dishes and the little circular pieces and all that. Yeah, and the man in the cockpit has got a translucent green visor on. Yeah! Like you you used to get on... um, Blacktron. Well, yes. I think of them as like motorbike helmets. I guess they must have started in Lego City, must they? They must have, mustn't they? I never really thought about it. But yes, obviously, the idea of having a raisable visor on a space helmet is... Yes, Gosh, raisable. I've never, ever, ever thought oh, yeah. about that before. Wait a minute. Yeah, they yeah. were raisable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a bike helmet, isn't it? Well, it is, they exactly. were raisable in a way. You could raise them up a little bit and then they would ping off because they're oh, only attached they by the were two they little... actually... Oh, okay. Well, sorry. they were attached by two little notches in the side that went into yeah. two little... Like, two little bubbles that went into two little notches. But yes, I thought they... they were at least... You could at least... Maybe that wasn't part of the design then. Maybe they weren't supposed to be hidden. No, they were. You Oh, I think they were. You know, it's like, you could do it, but you were yeah. stressing the... Pe- an illegal build, as Lego calls it, you know? <laughs> I went and found out what this is all about. Tell me more. Explorians, right. So... We haven't had any Explorians sets advertised in the show before, then, have we? Nope. No, no, this all is right, new. Okay. Right. So here's the story behind it. In 1987, the classic space Lego... You know, space-like... Space, yeah. Spaceman Legos, like in the Lego movie, that Spaceman. That was rebranded... Futuron. Futuron. And it was set against the Blacktron astronauts. Right. I remember Blacktron, yeah. Yeah. Well, they, yeah. Uh, same. I remember Blacktron. I don't remember Futuron. Because Blacktron, obviously cooler. Their ships were black and yellow instead of white. And they had those, those. Uh, they had the fluorescent yellow angled window panels, whereas mm. the good guys just had blue see-through. Um, also, Blacktron, right? Their big ship could detach to make smaller yes. vehicles, a bit like a Megazord. Okay, I'm sure that stuff has been advertised before, because I remember talking about Blacktron before. Mm. Well, that's the thing. Apparently, the separating into little vehicles became like a staple of all the Lego space stuff after that. But anyway... I mean, one of the many things Lego does is you pull it apart into smaller bits. Yes, yeah. and <laughs> when I was researching this, I couldn't really tell the difference when they were saying that. You know, like, this could be pulled apart into different bits. There's even one... They even said that different Blacktron sets and different sets that had this... had compatible connectors so that you could put the bits together with other ones. It's like, well, yeah, the Lego! It's flipping Lego, mate! <laughs> it's yeah. Lego, yeah! <laughs> well, anyway, future on which is space, right? That becomes Futron. That mm. then splits off into the Space Police and Mtron, which were the red and M-tron. black sets. I remember Mtron, yeah. Maybe it's Mtron I remember. Yeah, we've had Mtron in this. Red and black was, yeah. Well, Mtron, they were meant to be a sort of space, like, rescue and repair team that came with magnets. Oh, M for magnets, Mtron. Yeah, and they would pick up, like, magnetised safes with all space materials in and that. Yeah. And incidentally, a space AA with some magnets is far less cool than I thought Mtron was back when <laughs> yeah, I had it. Yeah, I'm surprised to learn that's what it was. I thought they were, like, kick-ass space guys in a big, complex, drivable Lego base. I thought they were cool. Well, that all then split off further. So now you have Spirius, who were a pirate faction they rock up in flying saucers they steal other lego space people's stuff and then they fly back and they guard the stuff they've nicked on their home planet using their giant mechs they're pretty cool hell yeah dude lego kicks ass 
And their leader was itself a robot, the very first robot minifig at that. Ooh. And then the space police, right, they get replaced with Unitron, who are now the same thing as space police, but more militarized. Mm. <laughs> Life imitates art. Yeah. So after that, well, maybe this is why Lego went, mm, not sure about this. I, but anyway, they decided they'd thinned out the space brand a bit, perhaps, and they wanted to return to the old white and blue classic mm. spaceships that just do whatever. That is this, that is Explorians. But why, Chris, why would you want Explorians when what you could have is the other series that span off this year and next? And I hope we get an advert for it. So there's RoboForce. I'm already sold, yes. Who's, yep, they're four mechs. Their heads can detach to be little flying vehicles. Yes. Unfortunately, only the Americans get those, so we're not going to get an advert for it. Why? Illegal. But the big one. This is going to make you not care about that. UFO. Aliens, Chris. Alien Lego men. Saucers and ships piloted by aliens. Alien Lego men. They had those heat responsive stickers on them, so that changes their logo to have an alien face in it, right? They've got magnets that hold their ships together, so now you can detach half a saucer and fly it around as like a little winged fighter, because it's like half a circle. That's ringing a bell. You had a big flying saucer, you could hold it by a little cylinder on the underside that means you could spin the saucer while you fly it around your bedroom. The top of the big UFO can detach to be a little separate UFO, leaving the rest to be an open top base. They've got fibre optic lights in them that are exposed and flash red in sequence like computer entrails. They have alien minifigs with helmets that look a bit like predators and the leader is called Alpha Draconis. This is sick. UFO Lego, I want some now. We've seen them, UFO invaders. They got saucers, blinding lights. And you know, I think they're coming closer. Holograms, escape pods, lasers. There's just no stopping them. I said, hey, don't take my snookers. Take me. The force behind this is very powerful. They're here. The new UFO collection from Lego System. Each set sold separately. Batteries not included. I'm not sure what even really distinguishes this, looking at it, from uh, the old Lego space stuff. It just looks the same to me. It is about, yeah. It'll just be that they're making them now, so it's probably a bit better and more complicated. And costs a bit more, because if Lego does one thing, it goes up in price. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear, I just opened to the centre pages. (laughs) quite a shock isn't it there's yeah. something really alarming about this yes because the the last one of these of elliot elliot back in issue 88 was a single page back cover job and the one before <laughs> that of knights themselves was also just a single page back cover pinup so yeah. uh, with clarice or Clarice. Looks like Clarice to me. Hello, Clarice. They've gone for a full double-page spread, and it's just the head of the character. Yes. Big zoomed-in anime head on her. And yes, and it's probably the most directly anime thing we've seen in STC so far. So it's a gargantuan pair of eyes rendered in, the you know, as best we could in 1996, um, which makes them quite a surprise to look at. And, it's, you know, it's a... It's a decent resolution image too you know oh, yeah. it's not just Fine. some nothing better than the chaotix pinups oh yeah and in fact the only thing that's and to be honest like i'm, I'm making fun but actually the eyes are quite well done not yeah. sure about the banana mouth that she's got on there that's a bit odd not but, so uh, much but the rest of it no it's just it's a giant two-page big head just 
looking at you with a vague smile on its face. Yeah, it's as rubbish as any bad Nick pinup. It's just a bit different, is all. Yeah, it's more piercing. It's more penetrating. Staring right at you. You it's couldn't sleep without right... looking at you no! off your wall. No, definitely not. You, or, or at the very least, it would be the subject of a midnight startle. <laughs> oh God, could you imagine the sleep paralysis demon that would inspire? <laughs> yeah. It's another just a page of adverts, which is, yeah. you know, nice because at least that means that the reverse of the pinup is to ads. Hey. So you can safely pull if you're the sort of sick freak who does that sort of thing, you can safely pull it out of the comic. Nice one. Finally. Yep. Yeah. Well, we've been here before. This is Fun yeah. Online, that uh, that magazine we covered a couple of issues ago. Specifically, it's an ad for issue two, which is why mm. we noted it all. It's not a... Re- well, yes. I say it's not a repeat of the same ad. The, the text copy and everything is all the same. Of course. It's just that the picture of the issue is swapped in for issue number two. So we can find out what online fun was going on this month. Yes. The new PC magazine for multimedia kids. The cover is dominated by... Well, it's not... We thought it was Zaki at first, didn't we? did. We? Because we just saw a crocodile man and felt yes. it must be him. But it's not at all. It's We we presume it to actually be the character mentioned down here on, on one of the many cover lines, Cybertech. Two brand new Zaki McHacker stories. Read them or Big Al will get you. Mm. So we presume this to be the villain Big Al. We know he's the villain because he's going to get you. Uh, if he'd <laughs> existed in a Western scenario, his nickname <laughs> would have been boss he's in a big <laughs> suit and he's got a big puffy like cravat just puffing out there and he's got a how did you describe it dave a golden cyber monocle cyber um, monocle yes which is noteworthy because it has an, it has an aerial sticking up out of it even though it goes in your eye yeah and I, I, I don't even know how that's really working no yeah. they've had to trick that through his big sonicky eyebrow that name zaki mchacker what absolute rot <laughs> Big Al, at least, I get, because presumably he's an alligator, so they've called him Big Al, you know? Mm. What does Zaki McHacker have to do with being a crocodile? I mean, I get okay. the McHacker I'd give you because it's computers. But what's Zaki? What the hell is Zaki? Even a Sonic character wouldn't be named <laughs> a nonsense word like that. Sonic characters are all English words taken out of context and used in Japan because they sound cool. Yes. What else, what else we got? What else? We got a free Microsoft badge. Oh, a Microsoft Ooh, badge. Yeah. Oh, oh wow. I mean, thing is, I, I might that'd be quite nice to have now because it'd be an old. No, Microsoft. it wouldn't. Only the most old. insufferable person would wear Cause that. Because it'd be anything. old. I wouldn't wear it. It would just be old. It'd be nice to have an old badge of Microsoft. That'd be interesting. That's not worth having. Well, I'm not. I haven't got it. Just I'm not going to go and buy old, it. Doesn't make Make it worthwhile. Yes, it does. <laughs> You've fundamentally misunderstood the <laughs> I think that that's the fundamental difference between <laughs> you and I, Dave, is that I don't think something being old makes it worth having. Whereas I'm sure if you stretched out your arm, you would knock over some piece of complete tat that you only own because it's old. I'm going to turn around this badge. I got this at TF Nation the, at 2018, and it's been on my desk ever since because I mm-hmm. haven't remembered where my badges box is. It's a it's a, a lemon, yeah, and it says I'm having a ball. Yeah, and, and it, the, the lemon's just playing with a ball. He's got a happy face on. Now, what is that? Do tell. I don't know. I just liked it, so I got well, it. Well, then you can't guarantee it's old, can you? That's not. You can you, look you at the way it's drawn. You it. Yeah, look yeah, but you got it because you liked it. You didn't get it because it was old. And I got it out of a box of old badges. 
was that doing at TF Nation? There was just it was the one stall I was interested in. While you lot were looking at robots, I was looking through the old badges and getting pinpricks <laughs> in the fingers. <laughs> right. Anyway, well, anyway. you could well if you're interested in old stuff, you could also win an Olivetti multimedia PC. I have never heard of that before. I don't know what that is. No, no, no idea. No. A, a, a little Google suggests that they're actually one of the really old guard computer companies from the 50s, but Oof. like, I don't remember knowing their name in the 90s. Clinging on in there. Mm. Free! Zaki's Print Studio. Design your own cool posters, cards, calendars, and more. It's an exclusive program on the CD-ROM. I don't know how cool they're going to be if you're the kind of guy who's excited about a Microsoft badge. <laughs> well, that's... I mean, I did like doing stuff like that on the computer, much like yeah. you did on the... Uh, yeah. On the Amiga! Wait, I thought you've—I thought you can never draw on a computer, and you. Oh, I can't draw, but it's a, there's a different thing between designing your own posters and cards and calendars and things, you know. Oh, I suppose you've got templates and you type stuff in. Yes, and stuff. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, new games season. FOL's Fun Online's first look at the new games, but it doesn't say what they are. Annoyingly. Yeah, well, they wouldn't, would you? It's going to be a big, long list of games. Well, they should have said a couple of them. You get review. You tell tell me on the front of this when they're going to review Worms, and this one they're doing Road Rash. The choice capitalizations of all this text is <laughs> causing the back of my brain to flame flames on the side of my face. Rated. <laughs> 20 pages of infoware and games reviews. Oh. And truly, truly, the pièce de résistance of exciting cover lines on magazines for kids. <laughs> the final one. Budget colour printers! <laughs> <laughs> the idea... My... Uh... There, look, there was a part of me that was excited about the idea of a colour printer. Sure, okay. sure. I was not aware of which ones were budget. And if I was, I would take that to mean less good. That wouldn't have been an exciting... You've got to get back in the headspace of the time to understand the sheer thrill of the concept of the colour printer. You know? <laughs> yeah. I still I still consider colour photocopying to be the yeah. realm oh, yeah. of the rich and famous. No, you know? so, so much the same that I, when you said that, realized i don't think i've ever seen a color photocopier and i wouldn't know what a color photocopy looks like when done i don't know how to recognize one when i did a comic in school when i when i drew did a comic yeah the insides was all black and white because uh -huh. i knew i was going to be photocopying it in my dad's office you know but i was able to color photocopy the cover mm -hmm. five times mm -hmm. and i don't remember where i got that done <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember how I achieved those color photocopies, but I know I could only get five of them, and the rest I had to do in black and white. You know, presumably because then you've maxed out your budget. I guess it was as many as I was allowed to do, or yeah. something. I don't remember. No memory of well, that. Well, whoever allowed you to do that would have been interested in budget color printers. <laughs> Clearly, news, reviews, comics, compos, fortunes, forecasts, lucky charms, CD-ROM. Mega game and uh, more, uh, all in issue two game. of Fun Online. What's a mega game? <laughs> Who even knows, mate? <laughs> Boris and the Book, written by Nigel Kitching and Richard Rayner, art by Nigel Kitching, letters by Ellie Deville. Boris. The second monster created by Frank N. Stein, who left the castle to be a film and TV star, hears that the professor is writing a tell-all book and returns to steal the manuscript so that the press will never learn of his horrifying origins. Chuck gives him a hand, but it all gets a bit messy, and it eventually turns out that Boris has completely wasted his time, since the book the professor is writing 
is just a cookbook. So you don't remember, Boris? No, I. Th- we must have had that episode, then I had COVID, and now all my memories are gone. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, a one-shot tagged yeah. on the end of the second Decapitac story. So okay. we're back in the 30s, 40s there with that one. The prof- remember, the professor built this monster and his head was on backwards. Bring me the spanner! <laughs> oh! Not backwards, upside down. It was one of those yeah. where upside down it's got a face as well because of a crease in the forehead. That, yeah, that. that's the one, yeah. yeah. And then he and Chuck fought uh, because there was only room for one monster in the castle. And uh, yeah, you will stay here with me and Igor. I'm not thinking about it. And he jumped off the parapet and is like, where will a muscle-bound netwit like that find a home? And the final panel of the issue was Chuck watching gladiators on the TV. And yes. going, you're not going to believe this. Of so, yeah, But he was at no point named Boris. Ah, uh. He didn't have a name. Ah. So it's a little weird then when he creeps in Chuck's window on the first page of the story and he introduces himself and he's, I've come home. And Chuck goes, Boris. Mm. Um, I mean, it did tell us to meet Boris on the cover of the thing. So it's as if we are kind of meeting him. But yeah. By the way, before we go any further, look at that first panel. It's Gorge. It's Loves. Nigel's just drawn an external of the castle. And I don't know why... But it's just bananas good. I don't know what I think is so good about this because it's just yeah. A- I couldn't put a word to it. It's just a drawing of a castle, but it's just nice to look it's at. It's just well done. It's the shape of it. It's a proper three D castle. It's, it's that's this what it is. It's because it's at night, so half of it is lit up in a kind of spooky nighttime yeah. blue. The other half, sheer black, Total with black just, the, the, shadow. That just the edges picked out of the shapes. And the individual bricks, too. Yeah, and that means that every little tower bulging out of it has a black side to it, and it just really communicates 3D space, and I think it's brilliantly done. What do you want? I thought you were making a fortune advertising spanners on commercial television. Not anymore. I work in Hollywood now, and I'm known as Boris Swartzen Black and Blueenberger. If it ever gets out the prof built me from dead bodies, well, let's just say there aren't too many corpses working in the movies. Oh, I can think of a few, says Head. <laughs> well, the studios think I was brought up by my Auntie Mimi in Macclesfield. <laughs> and that's just a funny f***ing sentence. <laughs> I suppose we should have learned to do a Macclesfield accent before recording this, but never mind. Never mind. <laughs> and then the plot hinges on the same way that the previous Boris story ended, where he says, If he ruins me, I'll just have to come back and live here. And it's like, you can count on us, old buddy. (laughs) So uh, they spy on the professor. Yes, this starts a little sort of B-plot, doesn't it? Of the professor mixing something. He's making a big vat of potion or something. Chuck says he's probably trying to get his revolting slime devil creature to come to life. But just near him, laid on the table, is this manuscript. Paper clipped together. And they decide that rather than stealthily creep over and pick it up, the only way to get it <laughs> yeah. is to mission impossible it in through the skylight. <laughs> yeah. So they lower Boris down on this rope. And the rope just breaks. Just instantly <laughs> breaks. Of course it does. And he falls into this vat of slime that the professor is cooking. And then this is this bit is very gently tenderizing the cop's brain. The brain, yeah. <laughs> yeah. From the second decapitexture. All I have to do is stir the formula und mein greatest creation will be complete seems to be on the lumpy side nine problem <laughs> i'll just use my industrial strength liquidizer patent pending and he gets out a sort of gun of knives <laughs> <laughs> and there's this muffled scream from within the vat could have sworn i heard the scream 
shovels it into a big oven, maximum setting. But it turns out <laughs> he's just making Chuck a birthday cake. It's Chuck's birthday. Oh. Uh-huh. If it's good, good, G O O T. Love it. If it's good, <laughs> I may add the recipe to my cookery book. It goes to the printers today, you know. And then Paris explodes out of the cake, furious to learn that it was just a cookery book. All this for a flipping cookery book? I thought you were writing about your life as a monster building loony. Oh, well, there. Good riddance. Okay, this drawing of Boris bursting out of the cake is the perfect drawing there could ever be of Boris. I don't know what it is. His face is so funny. I think it's because each different bit of it subtly has a different sort of direction of movement attached yeah, The to lines mean nothing. <laughs> the muscles, aside from the idea that he's got pectorals, they're just lumps. He's covered in lumps. Anatomy... Don't worry about it, mate. It doesn't matter. But don't they communicate? They don't just look... They communicate the idea of too many muscles. It doesn't just look like he's knobbly. They're not where muscles would be. Now, listen, I'm not one to judge. I don't know where where a man's muscles should be. Yeah, we're not built for it, (laughs) are we? No, I've yet to develop one so far. I I think my time may be running short on that. But um, they make such a good shape as his arms curl up and backwards. And then... His eyes are weighted, his brow is weighted in one direction, his nostrils in another, his cheek bulges out in another, his jaw goes out in another. It, it's so good. He's also got a right hand on his left arm, but don't worry about it. Doesn't mate. matter, he's a Frankenstein. Maybe they just matter. put hand, Maybe his hands are on the wrong way around, he's a Frankenstein. Not according <laughs> to the rest of the strip, but still. Well, maybe they can change. <laughs> <laughs> My life is a monster builder. Oh, now there's an idea. Chuck, bring me my typewriter. I feel inspired. Next issue, The Legend of Mr. Cuddle Bunny. Oh, from the books. You remember Mr. Cuddle Bunny? He yeah, was the star of the books, Nanny Red to Head. Yeah. It's all jokes. It's just jokes, mate. Jokes and good drawings. It's just G-Cap jokes and funny drawings, isn't it? What more do you want? What more do you f- want? Would you just be happy with it for once in your life? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Steady it. They're still on Sonic 3 and they've just dropped... They're just doing zones now. It's yeah. uh, the Carnival Night Zone in Sonic 3. Zone by zone. After briefly touching on the Angel Island and Hydro City zones in previous issues and then dedicating almost all of last issue's Q-Zone to the Marble Garden Zone, this issue's Q-Zone is dedicated entirely to the Carnival Night Zone. But... It does mean that they finally give some time over to that damn barrel. Yes! Finally! The first mention of it in SDs. This almost justifies the revisiting of Sonic 3, I think. (laughs) Do you remember how egregious it was that they did not mention it when they previously covered the Carnival Night Zone in the Q-Zone? What aggravation, it says here. (laughs) To make the drums work in your favour, stand in the centre. You don't have to stand it. You just jump on it and you lock into it. Uh, and push up and down rapidly on your joypad. This will create large gaps just big enough for Sonic to get through. I used to really love that thing in, I guess it must have been Sky Sanctuary Zone, where they were like wide discs, and depending on where on it you landed, he did turn a smaller or a wider mm. circle. Mm, Remember yeah. those? That was great. Yeah. But the drums were not big enough for that. No. They were just as wide as, as a Sonic. Yeah. 
And then, uh, having told us about the barrels, which isn't, it's not quite right. Press up and down rapidly on your joypad. That I mean, if do you it. do that, it'll work. Well, kind of, but it'll work at first, but will it work once it's I'm pretty going? sure it'll work, because you'll just you'll just wind up hitting them. At, if you press them that quickly, it'll just wind up working, you know. But yeah, you're supposed to press them in time with in the time with the thing, the barrel, yeah. yeah. I feel like you're sabotaging yourself if you try and do it rapidly. But anyway, yeah. having established that, then they... They give us the level select Just sheet. Just tack it on the end, yeah. It's a weird time for isn't it? Right in the middle of the walkthrough. Yeah. But okay. Wait until the big Sega logo at the start of the game begins to disintegrate and the big blue Sonic zooms out of the screen. It's a big blue Sonic, is it? Hmm. Well, you know, as opposed to all them big red Sonics. Yeah. I think his name yeah. is Knuckles. But, yeah. <laughs> Quickly press up, up, down, down, up, 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 up on the joypad. You'll hear a noise as soon as it's activated. And once you're back to the screen with a start and option displayed, press down and you'll see sound test. Enter this, and you'll reach the cheat screen. Next issue, the drag it out as long as we can zone. Yeah, that's really what we're into now, isn't it? They're just going to dedicate a whole thing to the ice cap zone next issue. They, they, I don't know how long this is going to go on, but I'm pretty sure this is the death spiral of the Q-Zone now. Mm-hmm. I think they finish out this Sonic guide, and then that's it for the Q-Zone. I don't think there is any more after that. It's so weird, because we've got a whole new console now that they're, yeah. they're just ignoring. They're just not talking about it enough. They could be they could be spinning out whole yes. pages of stuff from the Saturn. You can't blame them for ignoring it, because the rest of the world did too. I mean, yeah. But while we were ignoring the Saturn, Dave, take us back and tell us what we were paying attention to back in 1996. Okay. I have a bad case of diary. I have a bad case of diary. I have a bad case of diary. Yes, welcome to the Diary Zone, the segment of the podcast where I take you all back in time with me to the time this issue came out by just reading you my diary from that time. Friday the 1st of November is where we're starting this time. Oh, no Halloween adventures to No, not a thing. No. It did say that uh, I do go out and meet friends. I think we did. I think this was the year where I did go round the houses for the final time, but it was uncomfortably clear we were too old. Yeah, I suppose at that age. Yeah. Yeah. But tell us what happened then on November 1st. Well, all it says is that I sleep over at my best friend's house. Now, this should be completely normal, but this is me we're talking about. Rare is the thing young Dave Bulmer does that could be classified (laughs) as normal. Well, nothing more is mentioned about it in the diary, but I remember it well. I'd never done this before. I'd never slept over a friend's house. I I didn't see the appeal. I think I mentioned this before, but for some reason, the custom in my village... (laughs) The custom in my village. All right, wicker man, come on. (laughs) The custom wasn't even to stay for tea. And because we all live close together, you know. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. But generally, though, you would go back home for your tea. So this was a big departure for me. And I remember, I remember waking up in the middle of the night wanting the loo and it being pitch black. And which I was unaccustomed to because in in our house, we leave the landing light on for if anyone does go to the loo, you don't fall down the stairs, you know. Yeah, exactly. So there's always a bit of light uh, bleeding through. And so I have to like figure out where the toilet is and how to get to it by following like a mental image of the room that I'm in which is not Ooh. easy to do oh, when just even asleep. out of the room never mind yeah. the hole or anything like uh, yeah, that. you don't yeah. know where the door is I can't figure out where I am and I have to just picture the room and be like okay because I've been in this room loads of times you understand yeah. I'm, you know, I'm around my best mate's house but so what's more it was a journey that meant first finding the door to Mike's room which is where I was sleeping and then sneaking through 
his little brother's room because Mike's room is like you have to go through his brother's room to get to it. So I've got to sneak through someone else's room without waking Ooh, him that's up. Bad. And then find that door and then go down the stairs through the dining room, through the kitchen to the back of the Christ house. Almighty. And that's where the loo is. And I have to do all of this without waking up the dog. Oh, jeez. That is that is some Krypton factor. <laughs> it is. Well, the thing is, I got my initial calculation wrong. <laughs> oh, we didn't even make it out of the room. <laughs> I must have just been fundamentally wrong about which Stepped way. Stepped out of bed and just literally fell right on your face. Didn't make it any further than that. <laughs> I fell on your face and pissed yourself. <laughs> Oh god, sorry, I'm just imagining I'm imagining in my head now like the complex calculations you're making in your head mapping out the whole 3D exploded view map of the house carefully charting your role. What we're gonna do is I need 11 guys and I'm gonna go here, here, here here. Right, are we ready? Gang, go. And then I take one step smash (laughs) right, one step fail You can't write comedy like that. So I must have just been fundamentally wrong about which way I thought my sleeping bag was facing because what I remember happening is I found an obstacle in my way quite quick. I've got up, I've got out of the bed, I've followed the wall round, and then there's an obstacle in the way. And I must have just been so asleep that I think to myself, well, I bet I should just climb over this, whatever it is. Oh my God. And I climbed over it and I put my bare foot directly onto Mike's sleeping face. (laughs) I wonder if he still remembers that. (laughs) Monday the 4th of November. This is when something happens to me that I bet you wouldn't guess has ever happened to me. So, (laughs) there's a face. So, it was absolutely roaring with rain on the way up school that day. Hoods aren't going to do it, you know. We're all soaked through to the bone. And I was going to have to stand there in that waiting for my bus for however many eons it took to arrive, right? So we go to the road that serves as bus stop and car park. And as luck would have it, Mike's mum happens to be picking him up that day. So I say to Mike, there wouldn't be any room for me in your car, would there? And Mike doesn't really think there is, or he doesn't think that his mum is going to want to make the detour all the way to my village, because we live in different places. He lives in the town, and I live in the adjacent village to the town. Mm. So, you know, it it might add anything up to 20 minutes to the journey, depending on conditions, and conditions are not good. So, over the road he goes. So, So, picture this road. Picture just a fairly long road. It's like a staple, right? It comes in one gate, goes straight for a while, being a bus stop, and then goes out another gate. And between those two gates, opposite where the kids stand to wait for the bus, that's where these these few parking spaces are horizontally lined up. And that's where Mike's mum is. So I'm waiting in this blasting rain. It's the sort of rain where your coat is wetly sticking to your oh, back. I hate it, man. I hit stop describing it's it. It's making me down your angry. Face. I, oh, I hate it. <laughs> and you're just miserable. There's Mike about to get into a lovely dry car. And I'm just like, oh, God. Son of a... There's a chance here, I think to myself. There's a chance for me to escape this rain. I bet Mike hasn't remembered to ask. I need to go and check if there's a chance I can get a lift. So I run across the road. And this rain is so heavy that even though I don't realise it at the time, I basically can't hear anything other than the rain hitting my hood. And I can't see past that same hood. Oh, no peripheral vision. And halfway through the run... Oh, Jesus. Someone else, presumably doing the same thing, crashes into me from my right, and they sort of, like, kick me in the right leg with so much force that I immediately fall over, and I splash down on the wet road. Oh, no! 
Now, it's been a while since anyone has punched or pushed me over now, right? We're not <laughs> little kids anymore. So I'm thinking, what's happened here is we've we've run into each other, we've smacked into each other, and I get up and I see who I've run into, and I'm worried in case it's a nasty kid who is now going to be yeah. annoying me. And and there they are, they're lying on the ground as well. Oh. And it's not a kid. It's a motorbike. Oh my god. I've been run over by a motorbike. <laughs> I bet you never guessed that about me. <laughs> Well, you were nearly run over by your teacher that one time. Yeah, I know. That make and another time with my earbuds in in town, I wandered across a road and a lorry had to screech to a halt. So I've Oof. nearly been hit by all the major vehicle types. Car, bike, truck. It's only a bus that I'm. That, <laughs> that's, that's the your, only. That's your it's bingo. Got, got, got need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been hit by a motorbike. Now I've got up. Apparently, I'm unharmed. And I go over to the rider. It it says I go straight over to this rider to yeah. see how they are. So that's good of me. And it just says I can't remember what happened next. So I don't know what I say. I don't know what they say. I never find out who they are or if I know them because they've got a helmet on. And they're just no. off. They just peel away. Well, as long as they're all right. Yeah. Now, the way I've... I mean, also very bad. You know, uh, they have just run a child over. Until now, I've always thought that I boneheadedly and this is true boneheadedly ran out into the road in the path of an oncoming motorbike and that was you know that's the way i've always thought of it now i have to add this extra bit which is that from their perspective they were driving along on a motorbike they hit a child and they drove off and they fled the scene um now to be fair they saw that i was fine but like i guess so that but that changes in my mind like now i think this is someone maybe too young to be riding a motorbike at all it's not mm-hmm. somebody responsible. It's certainly not. Imagine if it was a teacher. I never thought oh, through who right. this could be. This is on her motorbike. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Imagine like if it is. The job she failed to start before. Imagine if it is. <laughs> uh, or she's got a teenager. Like an agent. <laughs> Imagine. Imagine <laughs> if I've been hit. And the lorry driver was all like that was her husband. <laughs> <laughs> it's this one family that, to, from their perspective, I am constantly terrorizing by jumping out in front of their vehicles. <laughs> oh, by the way, I scamper across the road and I ask if I can get a lift, and it was a no. <laughs> Flipping egg! After all that, did you not? She not see you just nearly got run over. What she got in the car? I got Come hit. On. I got hit by that bike. <laughs> Ah, oh, no, she's lovely. It must have been impossible. Tuesday the 5th. Day off because my knee injury has got steadily worse throughout the night. Uh, from being hit from being by hit the bike. By a motorbike, yeah. Yeah. And because I've got a day off, we go to McDonald's. Well, that's good. But, I mean, should you be going out on your bad knee? Well, mum probably brought it back. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I've chosen to use the word infinity to express my excitement about this, so I'm still Dave. Infinity, that's a new one, okay. <laughs> Do you remember when McDonald's was, like, what an achievement that was? This was, to go this to was then. This was then. then, I was still, it I still know, was. That's what I'm saying. Do you, remember, do you yeah. remember then? I do. I just went into McDonald's this past week purely to get a McFlurry because I had failed <laughs> to acquire ice cream at another venue. No. They have the McDonald's Monopoly on at the time. Uh, and I did win a McFlurry. Uh, and right there and there. And, I, and then I, I had a second McFlurry and I just sat and at it. Uh, so you had two McFlurries not, at once. Yeah, just the two <laughs> McFlurries, man. Not at once. First one, then yeah, top Yeah, sure. It. It's not all bad, McDonald's. <laughs> 
second McFlurry. Jesus, that's that's too much. You'd save it for next time. No, I wanted it there and there. The McF- I'm a big boy. <laughs> Thursday, the 14th of November, 10.49pm. I'm staying up late these days on a school Ooh, 10:49, night. 10.49, that's a late one. But we've established I'm still definitely a silly little child, and we're about to prove that again. Started the update version of something called, and I don't know what this is, Angel Island Adventure yesterday. Isn't that the thing with the song? I don't know. I'm li- could be. I'm listing it today because yesterday I only did a paragraph. It's basically Sonic Three and Knuckles. Yeah. So I'm, am I doing the novelization of Sonic Three and Knuckles? What am I doing? Because the thing with the song was a video, wasn't it? That oh, was that's right. Playing, but it, mm. it never got finished, didn't it? It's got friendship and adventure and a big fight. At the end. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And we end on a teaser. Nope. A teaser for next episode's Diary Zone. <laughs> going, it's Friday, so Saturday tomorrow. Going to Leicester tomorrow, hopefully to buy Sonic 3D. <laughs> which I've seen the box for. So far, all I know about it is, and I'm now going to send you a photograph of all I know about it is. What you have drawn. What I have drawn. Describe <laughs> what you're seeing. It's just one of Dave's patented drawings of the Sonic 3D cover with the weird spikes sticking up there. Uh, yeah, you've, you can see, I've seen it once, and I've quite well replicated how weird his spikes are, I think. Yeah. That's not, not too bad. I mean, you're still drawing them curving downwards, yeah. is the thing. That's the distinction, is that they curve up oh, in the d- awful Sonic 3D render. Do you know? they, right. But you, you've got them sticking out at all angles, but still having the downward curve. Yeah. Having seen it once, I couldn't conceive of such wrongness, so I've obviously assumed that it was a bit better than it was. Sonic 3D Flicky's bloody blah Yeah. You didn't know it was Island. Couldn't remember what it was. It was Flicky's something. And I've tried to draw the logo as well with it kind of speeding along. I've really tried to replicate as much as I could from memory what the cover of the box is here. And I've done an all right job. I didn't realise Sonic 3D was out at this point. Turns out. You know, if anything, I think what I've drawn here is a better drawing of Sonic than the cover yes, of Sonic absolutely. 3D. Is. Not just oh, because God, of the spine. Oh, without question. Yeah. Oh, hang on. When did Sonic 3D come out? Let me check this. Well, it'll have just come out. For me to not know much about it, including its name, but to have seen it. Now, I don't say where I've seen the box. I don't know if I saw it in a shop or a magazine or something. Released on the 5th of November, no. 1996. So within the span of this issue's re- And they didn't yeah. say anything about it. <laughs> New Sonic Where's Games the review? out! Where's at least the little box out in the control zone to tell us that the new Sonic game is out? A new Sonic game's out! And they're reviewing a port of a 3DO game. Flipping hell, mate. There better be some news about this. There better. Not, there really better be next issue. But if not next issue, if it's not in the issue after that, I'm going to have to write a sternly worded yeah. letter. Yeah. To that bloke, he'd be like, "Oh, I don't know. I don't really know what I don't you know anything it. about that." No. <laughs> Except this time with a more sinister edge, he's like, oh, "I wouldn't know anything about that." <laughs> Fully operational by the time your friends arrive. <laughs> and it was this guy who purposely stopped them from doing proper reviews of things again, because as we remember, I have recently discovered that I've got. 50 pounds. That's right! (laughs) How? Ah, Goodness alone knows. Sonic's World Secret Weapon Written by Lou Stringer Art by Roberto Corona 
Colors by Andy Pritchett and letters by Tom Frame. Johnny Lightfoot meets with a rat named Vermin in the Metropolis Zone, who provides him with inside intel that Robotnik will soon be transporting a secret weapon through the Gumtree Zone. The Freedom Fighters, now joined by Shortfuse the Cybernik, intercept the transport convoy, but it soon turns out they've walked into a trap, because the secret weapon is really Vermin himself, who has willingly allowed Robotnik to transform him into a Cybernik as well. Wait. Yeah, this is cool. This is cool. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things Lou Stringer is really good at doing. Uh, mm -hmm. Where, and just not Lou Stringer actually, but Sonic the Comic in general is, where they'll introduce new characters and expand their world by building upon the ideas that already exist in it. Yeah. So we got the concept of badniks, right? Robots that the animals go inside, right? Mm -hmm. Well, what if we tried to make, what, what if one there was one of those where the animal inside it didn't, you know, become a mindless battery, but actually controlled the robot. Simple, straightforward, you know. And then, he's a superhero. So what if there was a bad one? Yeah! yeah. yeah. Hell to the yes! Yeah, and we've always wondered, haven't we, about if it'd be interesting to have a story where he loses his control and becomes a bad one. But this is more interesting than that. This is a guy who's a bad guy, who wants to be one, is, and is, as far as I can tell, in control... He's just a bad guy. Yeah, he's just a bad... I mean, look at him, for goodness sakes. I know. He's a bad... and He's one of those nasty rat-type things that Richard Elson draws whenever he wants to draw a bad animal, but Corona's drawing yeah. him instead. Of course, this is us talking about him as a rat. As a rat, yes. The form he appears in for exactly three panels, and I'm sure will never appear as again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because when he's a robot, he just looks more or less exactly like Short Fuse, but a bit... Thinner and pointier, and, of course, purple. A bit more rat-like. Yes, short fuse, blue and red, primary colours, superhero, vermin, supervillain, secondary colours, purple and orange. <laughs> simple colour theory, simple superhero colour theory stuff. Oh, and he's got a sting on the end of his tail. Yeah, he's got a big rat tail, big thin rat tail, and he's got um, pipes coming out his head and leading into his back as well, and he's got robot whiskers instead of squirrel yeah. teeth. Yeah, they're like um, Metroid teeth. Yeah. <laughs> He's pointier too. He's got claws. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. Like him. Yeah. This is all pretty good. Once again, Corona colored by Pritchett is looking real good. Love it. Look at the, look at the, just the gum tree zone in general. Look at that. Look how lovely and colorful it is. I know. And then check out the, probably my favorite panel from this is the last panel of page two, where Short Fuse mm -hmm. breaks his cover because they're all sneaking around behind cover, seeing what's going on. And he breaks that cover, jumps up, goes, get a load of this. And he zaps a trooper. And it's just a good panel. The way he jumps up, the shine on him, the kind of explosion, the zap, the fact that the trooper's top of his head is being blown upwards. That's fantastic. Yeah, like the, the shot explodes out the trooper's back, but then the top of his head pff, explodes as well. So his style helm is just thrown <laughs> off by the blast. Yeah. That's great. It was Carl Flint who drew Short Fuse joining the team last issue, but this is by Corona. And it's fun because Corona obviously co- well, say co-created Short Fuse with Loose what I mean is he drew the original strip that Short Fuse appeared yeah. in, but he is drawing him differently. He's drawing Nigel Kitching Short Fuse. Yes. It's, he's got the little proportions of a, of a little Sonic character, a little body and legs, a big old head. He's three heads tall. And it's so much better. Oh, I love him so much. He looks exactly like how he should yeah. look. He took a little while to get here, and I'm sure other artists will draw him wrong in the future, <laughs> but this is what he should look like. And Right, Corona, generally speaking, has really climbed up to being very good at drawing Sonic. Mm -hmm. Last page, first panel, 
Look at Amy! Ooh. He's completely mastered the sonic eye shape there. Yep. It just looks fantastic. That is a great drawing of Amy. His tails is still a bit off. It's a bit off, so, yeah. He's got the sonic down, yeah. What is up with STC and having trouble drawing tails? It's like they've all had bother with it. I think Corona's... Because uh, that's when he came in with some of his earliest stuff mm-hmm. was tail stuff. And it was always just a bit dodgy mm-hmm. then, you know. But, he draw, but then, you know, he draws Johnny with a singular eye goggle. Mm-hmm. Whereas yes. Johnny doesn't normally have that. Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah. I think he's always drawn him like that too, but uh, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's a no, it looks perfectly good so, on him. You know, it's just perfectly fine to to do that. You you would wonder why he doesn't have that yeah. normally. Sometimes then you know, tails has separate eyes or whatever. His version of Sid Robotnik in the opening is good. It's very Coruscant, very Jedi Temple. Yeah, the Metropolis Zone, a city of residents living in fear of their ruler, Doctor Robotnik. For many, that fear makes them loyal to the tyrant. However, there are those who are not so loyal, perhaps. And that's our intro to Johnny being beckoned into an alleyway by vermin. But it turns out, of course, he's heckin' loyal anyway, because yeah. we turn the after Johnny's forked over the money and vermin's given him the intel, we see Robotnik appear from the shop. Once again, I don't feel like Robotnik would be out here supervising this, but okay. Well done, my friend. Your loyalty will be rewarded. Yes, that yes, you would think that would be on a little video phone or something, wouldn't yes, you? Yes, rather, rather than, than actually... actually uh... But... Uh, what I didn't notice when I was reading it, and I've noticed now, uh, they have saved that for the page turn. So that's a, a you, that's an actual reveal as you turn the page. It's good. Mm, yeah, yeah. When Short Fuse jumps out, he's detected the convoy on his sensors, and they're searching through the zone for it. And Tail says it's it's useful having a cybernic on the team. And Shorty's like, if you thought my sensors were impressive, get a load of this, as you just said. And he jumps out and does the shooting. And Amy notes, so much for planning an attack, Short Fuse is as impatient mm. as Sonic. I think it's a fair thing to say that, you know, we like short fuse around here, but there's not a lot to short fuse as a personality. He is, he's a cool concept. He had a a more interesting personality at the outset when the whole conceit of the character Mm. was that he's called shorty because he's short tempered and he's prone to flying into rages. So we get a little of that here. The idea that he is leaping out into action without stopping and thinking. But it's not been the driving aspect of his personality in all of his stories since. And I feel like he might be a better character if there was more of that. Yes, I agree. Because what happens is, you know, Short Fuse has a story where he shows up, shoots some stuff, and and then he wins because he's Short Fuse and he's great. I mean, he is great. I do love Short Fuse. I love his visual, especially when it's being drawn like this. He's a good concept. Mm-hmm. It's just he doesn't have a lot of personality on top of that. He's a pretty generic superhero personality. A little, little Marvel quippy, you know? Yes, but it looks like what Lou's doing here is setting him out as essentially, well, we haven't got Sonic in Mobius for the while, so mm-hmm. yes, we have. Here's one. I've got one. That'll be I've Sonic, got Sonic for now. Yeah. yeah, so he's going to be the Sonic. I mean, I wonder if it could lead to anything or not. Could there be, mm-hmm. you know, conflict in the ranks? Because... Yeah. Short fuse won't listen to anybody else, or, or yeah, you know. or like imagine Tails getting stroppy and being like, "You're not Sonic." Yeah, that would be good. I'd be interested. I don't yeah. know if it will do anything like that. We can only read along and find out. But because he has sort of Green Ranger his way into the team, hasn't he? He's that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's like the most powerful one. He's the one who basically, when the group come up against someone, it's what Short Fuse does that's going to decide the fight because the rest. They can hold their own, but yeah. when it was Sonic, he's got Sonic yeah. powers. Short Fuse has got... None of them have any flipping lasers. Do Bla- they? Flipping yeah. lasers, exactly. So, like, the whole battle can be basically decided by 
short fuse just doing something himself though i would wager that that's kind of what's going on here now we've got we, well mm. now there's an evil short fuse yeah. so now short fuse isn't the instant win button is he yes there's something on his power level that can take him on and he, he gets his ass beat in these couple of well yeah it's only <laughs> yeah. one punch you know but he assumes that vermin has been brainwashed yeah the same way that he tried to brainwash shorty and it didn't work because he damaged the uh, damaged the program but he says i resisted his brainwashing and you can too and then vermin simply uppercuts him straight out out through the panel borders <laughs> get real squirrel features i wanted to be a cybernic i'm stronger than you short fuse which makes me unbeatable and then amy says looks like we've got quite a fight on our hands and Tails ends it in the most beano <laughs> way possible. <laughs> he puts a hand up to his mouth and he goes, Oop. <laughs> so yeah, this is not a complete story as advertised by the title box. Oh, did it say that? It says oh. it's a complete story, but it's not. Next issue, Vermin's Deadly Powers Revealed. Look at Vermin parading about there as he lords it over short views. Yeah. Hands up in the air. Yeah. I presume he's got more than lasers. Well, he doesn't have any obvious guns on his forearms, I suppose, like, like short true, fuse does. But he's got his stingy tail. He's got a stingy tail, with. yeah. And he can do some nasty stuff with that. I don't know. He got like a. He's a rat. So what are rats? Rats are like could be like plague carriers. I don't know. So maybe like he, he could like transmit like a computer virus through his tail yeah. and paralyze short fuse or oh, something. Oh, like. shut down the suit. Just guessing entirely. I probably shouldn't guess really outlandish things like that. I don't know. We'll see what he can do. Deadly Powers Revealed, next issue. I don't know if this guy... I mean, I, I knew of this guy, but I don't remember any stories that he's in or anything that he does in the lifespan of the comic. I just remembered that he existed. So here he is, and I'll be interested to see what they make of him. Just like, you know, a nemesis, for a venom for mm. Short Fuse, you know? Yeah. An evil opposite character for Short Fuse. It's a good idea. It's a solid concept, because it grows out of the... It grows out of something... <gasps> From the games! <laughs> There's robots with animals in, and it's simple as that. What if there was a bad one? Look at those pretty blue coconut things. Yeah, well, gum fruit. It's a, the gum tree zone, so what do you get on a gum tree? Like, uh -huh. I'm looking it up now. Gum tree species. Uh, Eucalyptus manifera. Commonly known as the brittle gum or red spotted gum. Can I take you down a little path that I just went on? We were trying to figure out what fruit they have. And you just found stuff about gum trees. So I typed in gum tree fruit. Mm -hmm. And it, what came up was round blue fruits. And there were some photos of various round oh, blue wow. fruits. And I thought, oh, is that all? Are they just... Are they called round blue fruits or they do not have a name? So I read the description. It said, gum tree fruit are round blue fruits that grow exclusively on special palm trees in the gum tree zone. <laughs> and I was like, what? Is there an actual place, like, there's a zone on Earth called the Gumtree? No, this is the Sonic News Network fandom page for Gumtree Fruit, which well, is the top hit. Read no more of it, because if it's got an article, one would assume that's because oh, they must play some yeah, role in the you're plot right next there. issue. <laughs> Spoilers! You just make, not even the Sonic Wiki, which is a wiki very much lost in the sauce and a real mess of unnecessary disambiguations and overwritten <laughs> stuff while simultaneously being extremely unhelpful when you actually want to know something, would create an article about the fruit based solely on them appearing in the background of this one. So that's something we can put down as obviously it must play a role in next issue's story as the fruit itself. Very good setup then. Well done to Lou and Roberto. First letter here comes from Alex de Hamel in Rittel, Chelmsford. They've captioned it, 
Poetry in Mobius. Hey. Robotnik is cruel. Robotnik is bad. He does horrid things. He's mental. He's mad. Robotnik is here, and here's where he'll stay. But out comes Sonic. Get out of my way. Us freedom fighters, we're all just too cool. Our aim is to stop you, you mean old fool. You know, that actually scans quite well, doesn't it? The meter is there. Shame about the words. Mm. But the meter is there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Megadroid responds, Thanks for the rhyme. You're a poet indeed. I was so moved it made my heart bleed. Yeah. That's it. What else? What What can you say? Yeah. Next, please. Bookworm. Dear STC, what reading material does Dr. Robotnik settle down to on Mobius? And that is, we've heard from this guy before. Oh, that is from legendary 70s folk rock singer, multi-instrumentalist, and Sonic and Knuckles hogtag winner, Tim Hart. Ah. <laughs> and Begadroid replies, rumour has it that he's partial to Egg, Change, and Mart. Do you remember when grown-ups used to do Exchange and Mart jokes? No. I've still never found out what it was. <laughs> no, I was going to say I could tell from the way you said that you forgot to Google it. I sort of don't care. I'm pretty sure it was like a kind of speculative eBay on paper that existed. I certainly forgot to Google it. Mm. Exchange and Mart is an online classified advertising website owned by the NewsQuest Media Group. I guess it previously existed as a paper magazine. In May 1868, a weekly paper, Exchange and Mart, was founded. Mm. And it ceased publishing as a magazine in 2009. So there you go. So it was a reference yeah, that, to that. that. Recently, they said egg change instead egg. of eggs like change, a bird's like the eggs change in March. Yeah, instead of egg like egg hibbits, like eggs hibbits, mm. like the same time they fucked up the joke in the knuckle mm. special. <laughs> yeah, why on earth don't they know that you put an s on to make it plural eggs if it's an x? Why don't well, they I know? Mean, it's only happened the one time. Well, two now. By, by someone else in the special. Oh, do you know, that reminds me, actually, speaking of the Knuckles special and those terrible jokes and everything, and do you remember how we compared the gags in that to the jokes in the Megadroid strip from a little while back there? How oh, they were yeah. all on that level, and there was that, I'd love to, and oh, I'll yeah. steal. Well, the writer of the Megadroid strip actually does have a have a credit in, <laughs> in the Knuckles knockout special, Leanne <laughs> Gibbs. So, yeah, there can be no question. Must be. She wrote that dreadful joke pitch. <laughs> anyway, just dropping that in there for, you know, keeping boomers up to date. Last letter here, Luke's Loss. This one comes from Luke Drawer in Down End in Bristol. Dear STC, issue 84's News Zone said that the Sega channel was being launched in the northeast, northwest, and southeast of England. Unless the channel's going to be available in other places too, this could result in a big void for the rest of us. Megadroid says Liverpool, Wigan, and Preston, and there's a note attached uh, telling people in those areas, giving them the phone number to ring if they're interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got connected in October, Luke. Granted, that's no use to you. But with permission from your folks, you could inform a local cable operator of your interest in Bristol. The cable hotline number is... And he gives him the number. Yeah. And um, I wonder if it ever happened. Mm. Or if... It never happened. I'm not looking it up. I've, we've had to stop to Google too many things already yeah, during cares? the course of this episode. Here's two pictures! If it did happen, it didn't happen for very long. The kids have sent two drawings in. One is Amy Bond, and it's the bit from the start of Bond films where, you know, there's like the circle-y bit and Bond shoots or points the gun out at the camera. Um, They've copied the picture that we've had on a couple of stickers of Sonic winking at you to figure out how to draw her with one eye closed. I recognise the curl of the closed eye. (laughs) Yeah. 
Otherwise, she's wearing her usual skirt and sneakers, but she's got a James Bond dinner jacket on at the top. It's James Bond as far down as the waist, and then it's Amy Rose. Yeah, that's from Sarah Conroy in Renton, Dunbarton. Mm-hmm. And then we've got friend of the show, Jacob Padkin. Has, oh, uh, I didn't notice! Yeah, yeah, it's Jessica Padkin's brother. I-, I mentioned this to her, and she said she was extremely jealous that he got a flipping pair of hog tags! Yeah! And she never did. I said, All she you, got d- was uh, 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 Crayola stampers and stuff. I said, did your parents have something on the staff of STC? Because this is <laughs> getting silly now. Um, but no, no, conspicuously no reply to that. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, Knuckles riding on a firework. Yeah, the tactical, a firework night, tactical, yeah. send in a fireworks one because you know there's a fireworks issue coming up. I mean, it's probably a firework, right? It just looks like a rocket. It's isolation. a rocket. Knuckles sky rocket, the thing says. But there are sort of lines in the background that could be exploding firework lines. Or could be hastily put there in Tipex by an editor who wanted to make them look like exploding fireworks. There's no trusting <laughs> anymore. Is the thing. Oh, there's oh, no I suppose point in this even case. speculating anymore. It used to be fun to speculate about what <laughs> might be just off the edge of a picture or what kind of edits might have been. But it's no, it's not fun anymore. It's not. It's it's a criminal crime they've carried out. <laughs> well, I think it is fun to speculate now that I know that they definitely do it. Yeah, but that but that means we could speculate about anything. They could have painted that dinner jacket on Amy and written yeah. that. Amy Bond underneath it for all we know (laughs) can't think too much about it because if you start speculating you disappear down a rabbit hole of what is even true anymore the editorial team we live in the post-truth sonic era think how far it could go the editorial team of this comic could have commissioned all these strips that are in it they could have got artists to draw all of this stuff about chaotics and all of that chaotics They spread this rumour that there was this game. <laughs> Can you believe people bought into the idea that there was really this extra console add-on that you, that you <laughs> plugged it in the top of the Mega Drive and then you put the game in that? Ludicrous. Pit nonsense. I don't know how we ever bought into it. It's your letters. It's your letters. It's your letters. It's your letters. That's Speedlines. We have our own mailbag, stctpodcast.gmail.com, and here we have in it something called Letter for Issue 90, so let's read it out, this issue. This is from The Magical Animatron, who says, Hi Chris and Dave, this is a special issue for me, because it's where I start semi-constantly reading the comic. Aha! I say semi-constantly because I was but a stupid child with no ability to comprehend a regular schedule, so I'm missing issues in my run, and I have a story about that. Picture the scene. I was on my holidays, and I met a young lad about my age. Mm, Those summer nights. Hey, the magical animatron. Um, We became quick friends because we were young lads of about the same age in the same place at the same time. And before long, as you might expect, the topic of conversation turned to Sonic the Comic. As all things did. Obviously. How great it was. You know, just how great it was. The usual. And I remember lamenting that I had issue 90, but not issue 89. And so I didn't know what happened in part one of the two. Yes, because two stories Uh. in this are part two. Well, he had it with him. (laughs) Oh, hell yes. Across the... Time, space, nationalities, locations. Issue. Friendships were born. I got to read part one. And as our holidays came to an end, he gave it to me. That's amazing. I've got it. Here it is right now. I would never. I would literally never. (laughs) Nope. Sorry, mate. Hell no. And we swore we'd always keep in touch. Never heard from him again. Anyway, look. 
If you are out there, if you, a person who has always been missing oh issue 89 from his collection Could and thought to listen to this episode of our podcast to fill in those memories. Could if you imagine there, if that person was out there and was yeah. listening to this yeah. and was that person? Yeah. Oh my God, if you yeah. are, and if then there's they, any chance, oh my God, please write in. And then they adopt babies. <laughs> or something. <laughs> Or just like, have a pint. And I don't, even if they just exchange any, I don't even need them to get in touch with them. Get in touch with us. Yeah, dude. That's a, yeah. yeah. So if, if that that's sounds like whatever like we find out, we each had two pages yeah. about from the same scene. Yeah. That would definitely rank among the top achievements this podcast ever. Oh, managed. God. Yeah. It'd be this, someone's mum writing to us. <laughs> and then after that, it's the, the rest of it all sort of fades together. Yeah, those, 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 those <laughs> are the things, really. Um, yeah, but if that is you, then it's definitely you, because there won't be a second child who gave away an issue of Sonic the Comic to someone they just met that week. Come on! We don't do these things. Um, and, oh, by the way, the Magical Animatron has the issue still, so you can has get in touch. You can read that issue again. You're probably not getting it back. I wouldn't give no, it back. No, I'd say at this point, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a statute of limitations yeah, on the that's, that's theirs now, but you might, you, they'll probably let you read it. Um, anyway, loving the podcast. Keep up the good work. Love and hugs. The Magical Animatron, Wiltshire, Mega Drive 2 owner. Thanks very much. That is great. That is, I, th- there's only one way for it to get greater, and I've got my <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> All right, that's our mailbag. If you, listener, want to be in the mailbag, please write to us, email, send us a voice message, link us to a video, whatever it is you want to do. It's stctpodcast, stctpodcast at gmail.com. Next issue to... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, To B, with two E's, like a charmy B. To B, or not to B. It's a new story called The Hive, and we see a piece of art here of Sonic grabbing Charmy and going nose to nose with him, just really just not looking very impressed at all. I wonder what his beef is. We'll find out. New story, Captain Plunder in Shanghai. We've got some more Captain Plunder. Yes. New story, Decap Attack, Mr. Cuddle Bunny. Yes. Sonic's World Secret Weapon. Nah, mate, that's this issue. Oh, yeah. And yes, it's Secret World Part 2, but it's like, tell me, you know, that's... Yeah. Okay, I'm 100% convinced these next issue tags for Sonic's World are an issue out the last couple of issues. And I don't think it's going to be called Secret Weapon Part 2 because it says complete story. I think it'll be called something else. Nah, it's probably going to be Secret Weapon Part 2. Well, then I'll be cross about that then. <laughs> yeah, well, because yeah, either way, if it yeah, if it's got a different title, that would justify the complete story tag, even though it would not be true in the slightest. <laughs> Buzz Bomber, oh no. Oh, Buzz no. Bomber Badnik oh. pinup. I would take a few oh. more weird knights pinups yeah, than on. I would the return of <laughs> Badnik pinups, but here oh, they come. Oh, Badnik, 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 we hate you. <laughs> Plus, reviews Pinocchio and Pocahontas. Ooh, Disney-fied. I don't remember there being a Pocahontas game, but I believe it. Q-Zone, Sonic 3's Ice Cap Zone, STC 91. 91. 91. I didn't have that kind of a reaction to 90. 91. 
on sale Wednesday, the 13th of November, 1996. Still 1.20, the 13th of November. Hey, Christmas is coming. Uh, oh, my God. Oh, Christmas is coming. That The end of 1996 is coming. That means 1997 is... is what, a scant three or four issues away at this point? Flipping heck. Time marches on, eh? The Reaper comes for us doing? all. We're going to be 41 soon. <laughs> okay, let's not get crazy. <laughs> Slow down there. Oh, sorry, I mean 15, of course. Yes, that's correct. Yes, that's the, uh, that's the right answer, yes. <laughs> Sonic the comic. It's a lovely comic. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, Sonic. <laughs> so you can listen to that episode when it comes out in your pod bins. Deploy your pod scoopers and get them. But if you want to get it the split second it comes out, or if you want to see the lovely album art and all of that, then you can come to stctp.zone. If you want to follow the podcast and share your stories and memories, and if you are that person who did that thing yes. with that comic, don't just get... don't be thinking about oh maybe I will. No, yeah. write in stctpodcast at gmail Write to us or tweet us yes. at Sonic Podcast. We're also on there individually. I am at Chris McFeeling. I am at Demon Tomato. Dave, we need funds to be able to do this. Otherwise, we will simply have to stop as we are grown men and have responsibilities. Uh, you can help us out with that by going to patreon.com forward slash stctp and you won't leave empty-handed. You won't just get nothing. You are going to get a load of videos. A oh, load of videos. Loads of videos! Two years worth now, basically, at this point. Flipping loads of them. Yep. And uh, they are of us reviewing, chapter by chapter, the Martin Adams novels, a series of four novels about Sonic the Hedgehog that came out about the same time that Sonic the Comics started. As well as the complete saga of yes. Dave's dreadful teenage yes. fan fiction, The End of Mobius. Yes. It's all going to be there. And if you've been if you've been waiting, I think that was a very foolish move because trying <laughs> to listen to all of that, trying to binge watch my suffering as we go through that, I don't know how you'll stick it. I don't know how I stuck it, but it's there for you to enjoy now. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thanks for the the great advert there, Chris, for our Patreon, which you can join. As That's indeed. the appeal. The appeal is that it hurts me. <laughs> And our opening theme song was synchronized by a band actually called Sonic the Comic, who you can find at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. Also, they make comics together called Our Super Adventure, and you can find them on Twitter and YouTube and probably other places that I don't know about. Just search for Our Super Adventure. But we have been Sonic the Comic, the podcast, and we will see you next time. This is number 90. I don't get as much of a of a oof 90 off that as I did off of 89 last issue for some yeah. reason. I'll tell you why. It's because it's an 8 and a 9, and those are two big numbers. But this is just a 9 and a 0, and a 0 is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad we recorded that. You can stick that after the credits or something. What a load of absolute f- nonsense. <laughs>